You on the dirty, ugly wrestling podcast. My name is Dirty Mike. And I'm the big ugly. And we are here in the mansion 2.0. Once again, big ugly, thank you for your hospitality. Of course, man. Glad to have you out. Usually I would say glad to have you guys out, but we are old school today. We are old school today. Tis the holiday season, so uh, you know scheduling conflicts can happen, as it were. So it's just you and me, but we got this, because this is exactly how we started about two and a half, almost three years ago now. Yes, yeah, it's just me and you, man. This it's is great. It's been a long time since it's just been... Me and you, usually we always have a guest host or we always have, you know, we're always featuring somebody else on here. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's great yeah. because the, the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast has gotten around to so many different people in so many different places that everybody's always looking to be on, whether it be sitting right here with us in one of our mansions or uh, calling in uh, during a podcast or doing an interview with you or me outside. You know, everybody wants to be a part of the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. But like you said, it is a pleasure hanging with you here in the early part of the morning here in early December, Big Ugly. December. Can you believe this? December, man. Hey, most of pe- most people consider it the best time of the year. Um, you know, everybody's just spent time with family for Thanksgiving. Right. Everybody's going to be out shopping mm-hmm. and Christmas shopping. Um, so, yeah, man. Who doesn't love December? Who doesn't? And, uh, you know, you're going to get this episode of the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. And this is probably going to be our last one for the year of 2018 because everybody's going to be out doing stuff. But that doesn't mean we go away. No. You know, uh, at the end of this podcast, we're going to have a preview for our big next podcast, which is going to be in early of January 2019. Uh, We've talked about this a little bit before offline big ugly not going to give the spoiler right now because you want to listen to this podcast and enjoy this and then at the end we'll tell you what's going to happen next time how do you feel about that i love it man we're not going to give it away but i also want to say this to every all the listeners out there you know since we're coming to you at the early part of december obviously we're still going to be watching wrestling we know you guys are still going to be watching wrestling and keep an eye out we want you to tell us on facebook send us an email send us something on soundcloud let us know what you want us to cover when we come back in the beginning of the year that's great and big big ugly is right about that please contact us you can hit us at dirty ugly wrestling at gmail.com you can find us on facebook dirty ugly wrestling podcast find us on the twitter d-u-w wrestling pod find us on the Instagram, the it's, uh, it's under uh, Dirty Ugly Wrestling or Dirty Ugly Podcast. It's also my personal Instagram. And, you know, you can always find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and still only three, <laughs> but there's three people listening to us on MySpace. So, you know, that might not be the best outlet in the world, but it is an outlet. It's there. So, you know, we, we've been talking about expanding, too. I see all of our merchandise here. We've got the books. We've got the uh, stationery. We've got the coasters. We've got the mugs. We've got the T-shirts representing from uh, CM Funk, by the way. Shout out to CM Funk. Who couldn't hashtag, be. no hashtag. Exactly. The king of non-social media couldn't be with us today. And the man who's always trying to keep 205 alive, Jam and Jason, shout out to him as well. Uh, a current guest, or actually, so to say, a recurring guest on our podcast. Man, we always got a lot to talk about. I know, man. And and the first thing that I think we wanted to talk about, we started talking about it offline, but we said we're going to wait to get started. Creed 2, the Thanksgiving 
gift, so to speak, that came out Thanksgiving Day. What did you think about the movie? Man? Actually, came out two days before Thanksgiving. Oh, I didn't even know this. It I came out know. on that Tuesday because okay. I saw it on that Tuesday. Yeah. See, I went and saw it on the Wednesday night because okay. I thought it was coming out Thursday. And you know, most of the time movies come out they always come out the night before. Sure. You know, the big release. So okay, it was out on Tuesday. That's all right. All right but wait, we didn't know, but you saw it on the Wednesday. I saw it on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, you know, Survivor Series used to be the Thanksgiving night tradition or the Thanksgiving week tradition. I, I'm hoping now Creed 2 is the Thanksgiving tradition. Creed 3, 4, 5, you know, lots of Creed. But we're going to talk about it. You asked me the question. Okay, we both saw it. I loved it. As a fan of Rocky Four, where this was an extension of that, and also a fan of Creed, uh, I really enjoyed the movie. I didn't realize that two hours and 15 minutes had passed. I didn't want the movie to end. Um, if for people that, let's just uh, preface this part of it. We're going to give spoilers because we're going to talk about this movie. If you have right. not seen yeah, this so movie spoiler yet. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yes. If you have not seen this movie yet, make sure to go about five, ten minutes forward in the podcast and listen to the next piece. Because yes. we're going to talk about wrestling. We're going to talk about NXT War Games. We're going to talk about Survivor Series. We have an interview a little bit later on with a gentleman by the name of Michael Spedden, a fellow podcaster. A whole lot more going. Actor, singer. But back to Creed 2. Tangent, tangent. Here we yeah, go. Spoiler alert. Here we go. I loved it, Big Ugly. Um, I've really enjoyed the anticipation of sitting there watching the movie, knowing the history. If you've seen Rocky Four, if you've seen Creed, if you've seen uh, you know, the Rocky Balboa character over the years, I, I really enjoyed myself. When the movie was over, I, a little unexpected just because it was sort of a feel-good moment. Um, and you'll know what I'm talking I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, but... I don't know. I just really enjoyed the movie. I'm actually going to see the movie again, uh, and I'll, I'll see it several times in the theater if I can, and I'll also buy it on DVD if they still exist by the time the movie does come out. Because right. yeah. we got these streaming devices. What did you think of the movie, Big Ugly? So I, I thought the movie was done uh, very well. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, just to just to start off, you know, I, I was a bit concerned when I found out Ryan Coogler was not coming back to direct uh, as he did the first Creed. But we did talk about that. Yeah, yeah, but this Creed was still done very well. Um, I think I love the way it ended. Um, as far as uh, big spoiler alert, so if you're if you're still listening, just know this is a spoiler. So you know, one of the scenes I love the most was when uh, at you know when Creed beats Drago, um, and Rocky is just like you know he stays out of the ring and he lets he's like you know this is your time. Mm -hmm. and I thought it was a special moment because it was finally the real passing of the torch and. If you notice, this is actually the first, I think they said, Rocky film where Rocky doesn't climb the steps mm -hmm. of of the ring. Yep. Which I think is just really symbolic of, you know, the end of the Rocky era, finally. You know what I mean? Because even the first movie, it's like Creed did good, but, you know, the tension was still on Rocky and bringing this kid out of the shadows and out of his father's shadows. Right. But this time, it was literally... Rocky stepping back and letting, you know, the torch pass to him, you know, once and for all. So I thought that was really, really well done. That was um, a great camera shot, by the way, as they were yes. walking to the ring and they showed him like the back of Rocky. And yes. so him looking to possibly walk up the steps, but he didn't do it. They made a real point to show that yes. right there. Yeah, yeah. Great. And it was like silhouette shot. And you know what? I'll say all of the boxing entrances from beginning to end on this movie were just done really well. Like, they made you feel like you were in those arenas. Like, yes. when those guys were walking out, it's like you felt like you were walking out of there, like, getting pumped up. You know what I mean? It's like, so they do. They did really well with that. If somebody knows how to shoot a boxing movie, it's 
Sylvester Stallone exactly. and his yes. staff, anybody that he would yes. hire to do this, uh, everywhere from even Rocky Balboa that came out uh, back in 2006. That one was shot like an HBO pay-per-view, like an HD pay-per-view, and it was shot like that so you're watching the boxing match. Now moving forward into the Creed saga, it's like, right, you're inside yeah, that in arena. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's it, like first-person yes. almost view. Absolutely. Yep. Even in the ring when you're fighting, it's like your first-person view. You're one or the other. It's... yeah. Uh, Fantastic. So another shout out for me would go to uh, Dolph Lundgren, who plays Ivan Drago, Amen. because you know I was actually I was I was pretty concerned because you know if everybody everybody knows that Dolph Lundgren isn't the biggest actor right. that he used to be back in the late eighties sure. and stuff back when he was like kind of young, strapping, good looking, tall man. Right. You know he's gotten older. You know what I'm saying? It's like you don't really see you see him in a lot of B movies. So right. my fear was like, can he actually recapture that character? That he only played once. Such an iconic role. years ago. Yes, 33 iconic. years ago. It was so iconic of a role. But it's like sometimes people have a hard time getting back into those characters. Yeah. Uh, case in point, uh, uh, Brent, uh, Brendan Fraser. Uh, that's, is it? Yeah, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, that's the guy, right? From For the, the Mummy? The Mummy, right. Yeah. So I personally thought that Brendan Fraser could not recapture O'Connell's character in Mummy 3. Right. It just didn't work. So... Lost, so anyway, getting back to it, yeah. I thought Duff Lundgren did a great job. He was still the same stuck-up Ivan Drago, but I will tell you this: they did a great job showing the character and story of the Drago family. Yes, more in this one, the evolution of oh. even from the beginning of the movie, where it just shows you know them in their ball wherever they were, Ukraine, Ukraine or whatever yeah. it is, in that dirty little ass apartment in that middle of nowhere and you know uh, I uh, the young Drago Drago Jr. eating breakfast and Ivan just up and cold and you know ready he's like hey get up smack him in the face like hey let's go like he was the same character and 33 years removed but showing the Drago story we didn't know the Drago story really in Rocky 4 we just knew that uh, his trainers and his wife and his country were trying to ship him out to basically get global dominance. Yeah. That's not uh, yeah. what this was about. Yeah, at all. no, yeah. I mean, the Rocky Four was such a Cold War era patriot. It was like, you know, it was kind of like, you know, just all of those 80s movies where it's like Russia is the evil enemy of the world right. and America has to overcome it, you know? Right. But it's like this one, you know, it took a more realistic approach where it's like, you know, Hey, there's still a bunch of, you know, like the Drago family still cares a lot about, you know, their family pride and their country pride. Yeah. You know, but it's still like a sad story that goes along with it. You know, the the wife leaving, mm. the two guys, you know what I'm saying? And the father pretty much trying to use his son to get back to the status that he couldn't keep after he lost. Right. You know? And it's amazing how that loss to Rocky Balboa in that movie created such a tailspin in the story of Ivan Drago. Right. Like, and, and you know, he, he had his wife, Brigitte Nielsen, uh, in that movie. And Who made an appearance. My I, God. What, I were you shot? I popped. <laughs> Holy God. She's been in and out of rehab. She has such a screwed up life. Brigitte yes. Nielsen, shout out to her. Yes. When I saw that little silhouette of a woman walking, and I'm like, nah, they ain't going to do it. Yes. They ain't going to yes. do it. Yeah. And she sat down, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" Now, it, pardon my language, but in this movie, as as uh, the young Drago said, he didn't really know his mother because she basically left Ivan Drago in the infancy of him before he was born. You know what I'm saying? But it's his. That's their kid. Yeah. Um. So he doesn't know her at all. But Ivan Drago, like, even as cold as that character is, when Brigitte Nielsen sat down and they panned over to Ivan Drago, I'm like, "Oh." This yeah. is about to get real. 
And then and you she's know, with like this new guy, you know, who's like rich and powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And she got, or he got up. Ivan got up and walked away. And then the son got up and walked away. And again, the evolution of these two characters made this movie. We'll get to the Creed character in a minute because there's a lot going on in that yeah. story and the Rocky character, by the way. But my God. They could not do this with Clubber Lang. Mr. T would not be able to pull this shit off. No. Now, that could be Creed no. 3. You never know. <laughs> and Thunderlips no. and Mr. T. No, no, But no. there's just, my God, yeah. the story. of, And I was gripped, hooked the whole time. And, again, spoiler alert, here's the deal. You know, when they go into Creed 2, Creed is rolling high, undefeated since uh, whatever. Then he ends up fighting. Pretty the, Ricky Conley. Right. Yeah. Um, and then he ends up fighting the uh, gentleman who he fought in the first movie in the gym that took his car. He said yeah, anybody Danny who Danny Wheeler, yeah. Right. Uh, anybody, stuntman. Stuntman, Danny Wheeler, Exactly. Yeah. He said anybody who can knock me out can take my car. Yeah. And then, you know, of course the Creed character is getting a little egotistical on himself, getting a little high, getting a little comfortable. Um, and then he wins decisively and all he wants is to give my keys. Give my keys. You know, so that's good. So he has no idea that there's a promoter on the outside that's been fueling the Drago family to get back over because it's all about the promotion. It's all about the exactly. money. Exactly. But using the Drago family story to fuel this, and I'm like, oh god, I love it. I can't wait. I, I I loved it, man. And you know, the other thing that I just I really great casting on the Drago son. I forget his first name, um, but yeah. I thought he was great. Big guy. You know, even. Even when you think about the difference between the way Ivan looked and he looked like Ivan was tall, yeah, cut right. They got a guy that was tall, jacked, right. So, you know, he pretty this much looked like Thunderlips, right? Exactly. <laughs> and he looked like Thunderlips, yeah, yeah, right? It's like the Thunderlips. So you know, and I thought, I thought that also the the way that they wove in the story of going back to the Drago family, just yeah, yeah. how. You notice that by the end of his big thing, the son wasn't even really fighting for the same reason. He was fine with just him and his father right. doing their thing. You know, he wanted to just fight simply for his father, where his father wanted him to be fighting for all this other crap that he doesn't even care about. You right. know, he's just like, hey, it's just me and you. Who cares about these other people? Right. You know, so I just very well done stories in general. Extremely um, well you know, done. Dealing with the family dynamics of, uh, of Creed and mm-hmm. Bianca. Yes. You know, having a child hurt, you know, hearing loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and then possibly with the child having hearing loss and worrying about that. Right. You know, they, they did all that. And, of course, you know, him going through. Now, he's ended up, you know, challenging. You know, the, the Drago family comes over and Drago, you know, they throw out the challenge. And he finds out on the TV, like, hey, man, you know, they challenged me. I'm going to go do this. Right. And I have no idea. And I got to tell you this, too. The first fight between Creed and Drago where Creed is not... A hundred percent into it, you know. He's got other things on his mind, and he's not as hungry or as you yeah, know, whatever. And Rocky wouldn't train him, right? Right, Rocky wouldn't train him. But then you got the Drago, who the the son is an extension of the father. So, like you said, the son doesn't really care about all this thirty three year history. But Dra- Ivan Drago's got him programmed to be a killer. Yeah. You know, uh, no steroids, you know, nothing of that kind of thing. But he's got programmed him to be a killer. Yeah. And then you see that. Um, Hospital scene, by the way. <laughs> Almost killed him. And the hospital scene was very powerful. Anyway, that was very emotional. Yeah. But I like the story to where Creed is now the heavyweight champion of the world. And Ivan Drago, or uh, his son, gets disqualified. Now, this yeah. is booking a 100 right here. <laughs> and, you know, because he's down, knee on the ground. Referee tries to stop it. 
and then laid bam, him. Yep. laid him out and and almost killed him. They did. They did not have him move. The, the high camera shots yeah. going down. They did. Now obviously he wasn't going to die, but they teased it a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, they did. Yeah, booking one hundred yeah, rem- right there. Yeah, reminiscent of the father. So you know, loved this, it. I know this is a wrestling podcast. And it we've is. Been, we've been carrying on about Rocky, but Creed two was so great. But I'm gonna just say this. Yes, just say this. I hope that this is the last movie. Sylvester Stallone has said he's done. Yes. He said he's done with Rocky. He did an Instagram farewell to the character. So I, I saw it this morning. I think I don't know I don't know what has come out of it. I think that this is a recent decision. And the only reason I'm saying that is because if if Sylvester Stallone had made this decision beforehand, he would have announced that before the movie. Right. And that would have garnered even more viewership for the movie. Right. So I'm thinking that after Creed 2, I'm thinking somewhere along the lines of in the recent weeks he's decided he doesn't want to do another one. Um, he wants to leave Ohio. I think it's a perfect decision. Here's why. They have the reason Creed and Creed 2 are so successful is because they have literally rerun all four Rockies in the story. Okay. Of two movies. The first movie, I think everybody can realize that's essentially almost like the first Rocky all sure. over again. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So Creed 2 is essentially Rocky 2, 3, and 4, and four all, all wrapped in one movie. Yep. And just to run it down for you, so you've got Creed coming back, you know, just like in Rocky Two, what happens? Creed finally wins the championship. Right. So they kind of get that Rocky Two out of the way. Yep. Then you deal with almost like the Rocky Three Clubber Lane kind of situation in which you've got you've got this new Ivan Drago. Rocky is almost like the new Mick, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's like, You can't beat him, Rock. Yeah, yeah. He ain't got the eye of the type. You know, so he's kind of like that. He doesn't want to train Creed because he's doubting that he can beat Ivan Drago's son. And so, you know, then what happens? Creed goes in there in the first couple of rounds. He loses, just like Rocky, to Clubber Lang. Yep. Didn't lose the title, but lost Did, the right, fight. Exactly. But yeah. lost the fight. You know, come on, Creed. Anyway, that was Clubber <laughs> Lang. So, so, um, so, then, so then after that, of course, what happens? Then you pretty much move into the whole Rocky Four scenario where it's like, oh, you can't train the way you usually train. You got to train to fight the big Russian. Right. And, of course, they go and have the fight in Russia, just like of Rocky Four. Of course they did. So they, they, they use all of the Rocky storylines throughout Creed One and Two. Which is why we love it because we love the first, we love those Rockies, right? And so that's why it works. And so I'm like, I would be concerned about where they would go from here mm-hmm. when moving into a third Creed movie right. because there's no nostalgia story for us to repeat at this point, right? You know, and so nobody wants to repeat Rocky Five. Please, no. Please. <laughs> we don't need if Tommy I see the Machine a, Gun. If I see a street fight <laughs> with, with Creed, I'm walking out of the theater. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. Oh, so, God. So, yeah. So, it's like, you know, and I don't want to see a, a Creed, you know, an Apollo Creed movie or a Donis Creed movie where he's like an old man trying to fight. Yeah. So, so, it's just like, yeah. So, I think, you know what? It's all right if you don't get Trilogy out of this. Uh, you know, I think Creed 2. Caps it off pretty well. Hard for sequels to live up to the hype, but this one did. It did. And I did see this just this morning, uh, actually just last night with this Rocky. It it made me a little emotional, the Rocky retirement. But you know what? Retire him on top because the only thing that you can do at this point, if you did put him in Creed 3, is he's going to die. That's what I've been telling. That's what I told everybody. I said Creed 3, if they do a Creed 3, would be the passing of Rocky. But I actually prefer it this way where he just reconciles with his son yeah. and his and his grandson because Milo Vincamelia, holy yeah, crap, who played his son in Rocky Balboa. They literally got everybody back for this movie. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I actually let me tell you something. For a second, I thought I was gonna see Carl Weathers. 
I, I was you think the so? same thing. Like the heavenly thing where yeah. he, yeah, like when they're walking in the desert and the yes. thing's shining down, yeah. maybe just the just the uh, amalgam of him kind of not saying nothing, not acting, but just coming out and yeah. just looking. Yeah, I saw, I, I thought I, I saw thought, it too. I thought I saw it. And the other time I thought was when Creed was in the ring, he had on the black the black shorts. I think yeah. it was the second fight. Yeah, yeah. And he got knocked down and it kind of went black. Yeah. And I thought that he was going to, like, see Carl Weathers for a like moment. Like Mick in the other yeah. movies with Rocky where Mick came down and, like, Mick was black and white, but he was dead, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So I thought that's what we were going to see, but we didn't see it, which is fine. You know, they didn't want to go that route. And I don't really know what kind of condition Carl Weathers is in right now. I know he's, like, an older guy, so. I don't know. Yeah. But you know Carl Weathers definitely has to be proud for this movie chain to be living on the character that is you know, died in Rocky yeah, Four, but yeah. it still lives on. It, yeah. Just as powerful, just, if not yeah. as Rocky Balboa. I mean, these, like, Rocky series has just created just iconic characters. I mean, think about it, we're talking about Thunderlips, Apollo Creed, Rocky himself, Ivan Drago, you know, just these characters that just live on, you know, 30 yeah. something years later, you mm -hmm. know, it's crazy what but the series has done. Every character now, up until Rocky Balboa, it's look, like you said, there, there's a peace of mind. Everything is on the right level. Everything is on the straight. So now, if they take Michael B. Jordan and this Creed character on to Creed 3 and beyond, it has its own legacy. It has its own following. And now, even though there might be hinting of it, I don't think it's going to be on the shoulders of anything anymore. The torch has been passed. Yes. So in a couple years, if we do Creed 3... We will see, but I'm they're, I'm totally do happy with these two. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna. I don't know what kind of rights Sly Stallone has to Rocky and all of that, but they're they're gonna do Creed Creed three just because it, it makes too much money, and Michael <laughs> yeah. and Michael Michael B Jordan is too much of a star to not capitalize on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we as fans think about the legacy of movies. The studios are just thinking about money. Right. <laughs> it's like it's like, hey, are we gonna make another you know a billion dollars off of this? Like, let's do it. So you know. I was I was pretty excited. And I got to just throw this one more spoiler shout out. Again, we've been talking. We're going to get to wrestling. We're going to get to all this other stuff on number 58 of our podcast here, the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. But let me tell you something. We, and you know what? If we're going to do that, that that big show, which we're going to talk about at the end of this podcast for the next one, number 59, we might have to do that live uh, stream again on 59. Maybe not wait till 60 like we talked about. Yeah, why time. not? Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, huge. But, um. Okay, so the the final fight, the big fight in Russia, again, like you said, with the storyline, basically everybody was behind Drago, but at the end, not not middle of the fight, but the end of the fight, it seemed like they turned and then respected Creed for, you know, going through what he went through. But Absolutely. Holy God, though, the, the the way this story ended and the, the transformation of Ivan Drago's character, I was questioning it for a second, but I loved it. And again, spoiler alert. You know, in I think it was the last round, 12 of 12, um, Creed was beaten down, but Creed got up and Creed was beating down Drago, and Drago has never been beaten like this before. And before he even went down, even chance to go down and lose or chance to go down and die, after Brigitte Nielsen was sitting ringside and she left, she left. Ivan Drago gets up and throws in the towel. Something that they were talking about that Rocky should have done for Apollo a long time ago. Never did, but he did it. And so the son and the father come together. Rocky passes off the torch and Apollo Creed wins. And he's still, right. I mean, what, yeah. uh, Apollo, Adonis Creed wins yeah. and he's still the champion. I'm sorry. I love that. Yeah. I yeah. loved it. Which was just a good, a little evolution. And, you know, we've been talking about this so much, just the evolution in Ivan Drago's character yeah. in the sense that, you know, he was able to finally show in those moments that he cared more about his son than 
caring about this legacy of winning. Yeah. You know, um, you know, he he was able to realize what he did to Apollo Creed and how mm-hmm. Rocky should have stopped that fight. Right. You know, for the one that you care about. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, man, just all around good movie, man. Oh my god, I can't wait to see it again today. Yeah, oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, so all around great movie. If you haven't seen Creed two, well, we just spoiled it for you. So, but yeah. uh, but, <laughs> but now, if you haven't seen Creed two, uh, you should definitely go see it. So. Yeah, definitely see it and see it again. And uh, you know, while we're just talking about movies, let's just throw Bohemian Rhapsody out there. Yeah, uh, I think we. Yeah, we shortly talked about. It. Did you Did you get a chance to see it? I, I did get a chance ah, to see it. Okay. Um, please go see this movie. Uh, it is wrapped around the story of Queen and Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you aren't a fan of Queen or Freddie Mercury is okay. It's still a really good movie, a good story. You you may have never heard Queen or listened to their music or Freddie Mercury or know any of the story, but you will love the movie. It is definitely yeah. and, worth it. And I would say this, and, and you know, uh, for... And coming from somebody, I can't really say that I was a I was a Queen fan or got mm-hmm. raised on Queen, but sure. I guarantee you, even if you're even if you were of the urban community as myself, <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you, you've heard some some Queen music and you probably didn't even realize it. You know, when you think of "We Will Rock You" mm-hmm. or "We Are the Champions," I mean, these are songs that have gotten played on movies over and over and again. And the song and, "Bohemian Rhapsody" in the right. in the Rings Wings World and yeah, everything, which exactly. is very interesting because Mike Myers, Michael Myers. Mike Myers does make, make an appearance Paris. in this movie. And I didn't he know it was him. Dude, I didn't either until, until the second scene. scene yep. And then yeah. he talked about, it's like, oh, you know, people listening to music and banging their heads and moving their hair around. Yeah. Who would do that? I'm like, oh, he just referenced just, Rain's World. <laughs> God, I love it. Oh, man. So it's, it's great stuff. But yeah, Queen was a good movie. I think that uh, Rami, I forget his name, but the guy that plays Freddie Mercury, yeah. I think he did a great job. Sure did. Um, you know, people know him from Mr. Mo- Mr. Robot. Right. But uh, yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody, man. Good, good stuff. Under Pressure, you know, the uh, Vanilla Ice, of course, mm-hmm. sampled that for his Ice Ice Baby. Sure so, did. Yeah, man. Oh, man, what a podcast. How long have we been going so far? Oh, we had about 25, man. That's that's all right. 25 minutes in. The Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. We appreciate everybody listening to us on any uh, thing that you do. And by the way, uh, stick around for segment two again, who we're going to be talking to Michael Spedden. Uh, again, actor, singer, podcaster, fellow podcaster. Yeah. And then, of course, in segment three, we are going to preview things like WWE TLC, which is the last WWE pay-per-view of the year, and also uh, maybe the Hollywood holiday live tour and then uh coming up in our next podcast number 59 i'm not gonna give it away yet you're gonna listen to later in yep, the segment yep. three we're gonna talk we're about gonna it talk about it hey so before we move on to segment two in our interview just one more one more movie did you happen to see the latest uh here's another big one that came out uh the fantastic beast movie are you a harry potter fan i am a harry potter fan however i have not seen this movie as of yet but i do understand that it was a very good movie done very well and it's the second of the fantastic beasts i think yes so did you see it? I did. Okay. So um, without the spoiler alert this time, because I didn't see it. Yeah. But uh, how'd you like it? I did. You did. I didn't. You didn't. I did not. Oh my god! I you didn't. didn't. I did not like it. Huge Harry Potter fan. Uh, did you like the first Fantastic Beast movie? Love the first one. Thought the first one was great. So what happened? I just felt like they dropped the ball on this. I felt like here's 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 if I could give an actual like cinematic. Or good critique of it, I would say that they just tried to tell way too many stories in one movie. Mm. They, I mean, they were trying to cover so many stories. It was, it you know, it was the reason why. It was the reason why a movie like Batman v Superman didn't do well. Mm-hmm. You know, it was they were just trying to cover way too much. I gotta tell this story. Tell this love story. 
catch up with this person, introduce this person. It was too much going on okay. for one movie. And it's all because they're trying to, you can tell what they're trying to do, which is to take this series away from the original main character, Newt Scamander. Mm-hmm. They're trying to not take it away. What they're trying to do is they're trying to really start focusing on this Dumbledore Grindelwald thing. Mm-hmm. And he's becoming more of a side character in this, but they're trying to keep him relevant. But in order to fuel this Dumbledore Grindelwald thing, you also have to bring in all of these other characters and introduce that story. And it just becomes too convoluted. Wow. So I feel like there's a, there's a five movie deal planned for this. So wow. we're on two. So we got three more to go. Oh boy. I think that this this movie got bad reviews, but it's okay because not all the Harry Potter movies got good reviews. A lot of them got sure. bad reviews, but they make a lot of money, so right. they'll keep going. I think to get back to where they were, they have to figure out how to start consolidating some of these stories, maybe getting rid of characters that aren't necessary. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, they're going to have to figure that Figure they're gonna that have part to out. either consolidate it down, or they're gonna have to figure out to tell one or two stories. I, I'm I'm okay with one or two. Yeah. Um. But when you start taking two or three hours and trying to tell a hundred different stories, then when you leave the theater, you're just kind of like, hmm, right. what did I just go through? Yes. And, and why do I want to go through it again? Right. And this is not a spoiler, but you can also see that even the title of it, Fantastic Beast. It's starting to just become irrelevant. The first movie was very relevant because it was all about Newt Scamander searching for a particular beast and then him letting loose all these beasts in New York City and stuff, right? But this movie, because it's so focused on Grindelwald and Dumbledore, it's like it has no relevance for the beast, but they're trying to still insert this idea of like Mm. these creatures. And it's just like... Like, what what is happening? But that's... (laughs) So, that's the only thing. So, that's all I'll say, you know, but... Fair enough. You know, yeah. We appreciate you. You let me know what you think. I will. When we come back and talk. We're going to see it. And yeah. we will. And I'll throw that out there because we, we can always talk about movies, music, politics. We can talk about it all here on a Dirty Ugly Wrestling podcast. Uh, and before we, uh, we'll, t- we'll take it into an interview with Michael Spedden in just a minute. Uh, let's just throw out some random quick thoughts. And then later on, we'll talk about NXT War Games, uh, WWE Survivor Series, which you actually did watch. Yes. And um, then we'll talk about more going into TLC and everything like that. So, all right. Becky Lynch is the man. Okay. We're going to talk about wrestling now. Becky Lynch is the man. She is the hottest thing in the company right now. They're still trying to play her off as heel. It doesn't matter. She is the Stone Cold Steve Austin right now of the WWE. And I love what we have. And let's just give a little recap here. Becky Lynch was set to fight Ronda Rousey at Survivor Series. Champion versus champion. The one night a year when uh, Raw and Survivor Series... I'm sorry. The one night a year <laughs> when Raw and SmackDown... I can't even say it because it's too funny. No, I can't. But then six days prior, the Raw before Survivor Series, SmackDown women invade. This is the first time the women have taken this angle. SmackDown women invade Raw on the main event of that Raw. And uh, the main event segment, I should say. Becky Lynch has Ronda down in the locker room, in the disarm her. Uh, And then when Becky Lynch and the rest of the SmackDown come into the Raw women, who's already in the ring... Everybody starts throwing. Nia Jax throws one. Bam! Right in the face of Becky Lynch and blood everywhere. Broke her face. Dude, I, I listen, I don't know what kind of heat Nia Jax caught for this, but all I'm saying is that when I watched that replay, 
she hooked her. Yeah. And I mean, I'm listen, I'm not a wrestler at all, but I'm like, I feel like you should know daggone well you should not be throwing a punch that hard across somebody's face. Right. Especially I mean, with ten or twelve women in yeah. there when everything's getting like, jumped up. Yeah, that didn't look that looked more than stiff. Yeah. I mean, listen, I ain't trying I ain't trying to start no rumors and say that, you know, she intentionally rumors did it. Rumors and innuendo. But, yeah, but maybe she didn't intentionally do it. Maybe she, you know, I don't know. She just thought she was, Becky Lynch was closer to her than she thought when she kind of whipped around, you know. But I'm just like, yeah, man, that, that was, it was not It seemed a little unnecessary. Well, unnecessary, yes. It was definitely not intentional. But Becky Lynch, I tell you what, when she walked through the crowd and stood up into the crowd and you saw her that bloody, face yeah. and she was it smiling. Was that, it was that Austin moment, man. Yeah. Just like you were just comparing it to, man. Yeah. Like, at that moment, I think that I think that we were having a competition between Ronda Rousey being a biggest star in the company and Becky Lynch. Yeah. At that moment, Becky Lynch asserted herself as the man. She that, sure did. that was the moment that did it. And so it's kind of funny in a sense that her getting injured has probably done more for like her status in the company than if she had of actually made it to Survivor Series to just wrestle Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. I agree, and I think that that match is going to happen between Becky and Rousey eventually, uh, and I think now we've got a match, whether it be cross-branded or whatever, we definitely have a Becky Lynch-Nia Jax thing happening somewhere down the road, and Charlotte Flair is involved in all this, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but wow, I'm just, I'm so psyched about the women and some SmackDown. This is all backwards. You're supposed to be psyched about the main event in men and on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. I'm more psyched about the women and on SmackDown. Just come on now. This is great stuff. So Becky Lynch was out in a Survivor Series. She handpicked her replacement, which was Charlotte Flair. And that match actually was more of a fight, which we'll get into when we talk about Survivor Series. Um, and they played it off story-wise very, very well. Again, we'll get to it. But man, Becky Lynch is the man and she should be in the main event of WrestleMania that we're going to in MetLife in New Jersey, New York. You, me, CM Funk, and uh, and uh, Michael S., the Stars man. He, he's going to go with us, too. And uh, we're going to have a good time because Dirty Ugly Wrestling is representing on WrestleMania weekend. Absolutely. We're recording down there. You know right, this, yeah. right? <laughs> so, and we're going to be doing this. So, D- Becky Lynch, damn right. Um Let's see. She had a broken face and a concussion, but she was back on TV the next... Actually, she was back on TV on SmackDown. She walked out and actually handpicked her replacement, Charlotte Flair, but she was back on TV in the ring cutting promos the following week and just loved it. Yeah, and and you know what? They did a good job with utilizing what happened to Nia Jax's advantage because Nia Jax continued to come out and, you know, stroke her hand that she hit Becky with and everything. She got a chorus of boos that I have not heard since Roman Reigns was actually a face. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You're trying to be... (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. Hey, so let me ask you this. Go ahead. What were your thoughts on it? Like, were you upset? Do you feel like she ruined the main event or the women's main event of Survivor Series? Who, Nia? Yeah. I don't think she ruined it. I I, I think you're right. Everything happens for a reason. If the Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey thing would have happened in Survivor Series, I know I would have been excited to see it. Yeah. But I think they delivered with Charlotte and... um, even though when she was handpicking her opponent, I was kind of saying, Asuka, 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 but she, Asuka ain't got no play right now. So I was thinking she did not ruin it. She just changed it and basically sent it into the future because we're going to see it again. And there was not a whole lot of buildup, even though we talked about this. CM Funk actually talked about Becky Lynch doing the buildup for Evolution. She single-handedly, like... 
took Evolution on her back. Becky Lynch single-handedly put Survivor Series on her back and built that up. So I wasn't too excited to see much about Survivor Series, and we're going to talk about why <laughs> in a bit. It wasn't as bad as Crown Jewel, but it wasn't great. Um, so, I, no. Do you think that she ruined the main event for Survivor Series or anything <coughs> else with this story? I don't think, I don't think she... Uh, I, listen, I would say this. When it, when it first happened, I did. I, I thought that, you know... Uh, I would have rather saw the main event play out, especially after that, you know, powerful image that we had from that that Monday Raw uh, previously, in which you know Becky Lynch had Ronda Rousey in the back in the disarmor, right? And it's like, oh shoot, like, like you I'm know ready what I'm to saying? Watch right, now. we had not seen Ronda Rousey, you know, get taken like that. So I was really ready for the Survivor Series match, and so when you find out that she can, it's like, yo, this is like crazy, like yo, Nia really messed up. I think that at the end of the day, I still would have been more interested in seeing Becky versus Ronda. Mm-hmm. I think that the Charlotte versus Ronda match was great. Mm-hmm. I think that it's just that we're not really going to get a payoff for a while. Right. Because they're not on the same brand. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've heard that they're trying to get Ronda to SmackDown. Mm-hmm. So potentially next year it could be something when they do the uh, <clears throat> shakeup. Yeah. And, and then we might see that story uh flesh out. I will also say this. I was I wanted the Ronda Charlotte thing to come later on. Mm-hmm. I didn't want them to just straight jump into Ronda Charlotte because we all know Charlotte is Becky's got the time right now. Becky's the man. Sure. But we all know that Charlotte's been there, done that. She can do it. Precisely. Gotcha. And we all know that she's the the golden girl of the WWE. Mm-hmm. So I wanted she's the Hulk Hogan essentially, I, I feel like of the of you know in that women's division. Sure. So I think that I wanted to see that Ronda Rousey thing and her come later. We got it now, but it's cool. I I hear you. And it all can shake out because they can can mix things up different ways, a lot of different ways. Uh, Especially with the Royal Rumble coming up in uh, January where all of the people from every brand are going to fight each other. So here's what I see. And this is just a long prediction in the future. Somehow, the main event of WrestleMania is going to include Ronda Rousey. It's going to include Charlotte Flair. It's going to include Becky Lynch. And I think it's going to include Nia Jax, too, because as much heat as she's got, um, take a four-way match for one of the championships or combine them both and uh, whatever. I think, the, I think the main event of WrestleMania, these are the four people that have the most push right now, more so than anything else, including, which I'll segue into in a minute, um, yeah, I think those four should be involved in the main event of WrestleMania. Um, let's talk about the guys now for a minute. Before I, We're going to take a break here in just a minute and get to the interview with oh, Michael Oh, rest, wrestling has guys? <clears throat> it does. Can you believe this? Uh, and, and amazing that we've been talking about this and, and how our conversations have progressed over the years. So uh, there was an impromptu match, Daniel Bryan challenging AJ Styles for the WWE Championship, and that happened five days before Survivor Series. Uh, great match, as it should be between the two of them. And then what happens? Uh, the referee gets a little bit of uh, a pushback, and the referee is out of position. Referee can't see something. Daniel Bryan, for whatever reason, kicks AJ Styles in the balls. Now, of course, this is a Shinsuke Nakamura move. This is a heel move. Absolutely. If you want to turn heel, yeah. you kick somebody in the balls. But have you noticed they've like brought this back now? Like For a long time, wrestlers weren't. Doing the crotch shots. Right. They weren't yeah. at all because it might it was too much of a PG show. Yeah. And you don't want little little guys or girls going in and kicking people in the balls and going yeah. to school. But they've sort of reintroduced a little bit of the Attitude Era yes. recently, which is great. Yes. You're um, right. 
you know, not to the extremes that they have, right. but they have. And this is why. And the Shinsuke Nakamura thing kind of played its course. That's fine. He's heel. He's the U.S. champ. Nobody cares. But Daniel Bryan doing it after coming back after several years of not even knowing if you're ever going to wrestle again, coming back, getting his little face, uh, you know, yes chance or whatever. Who expected him to turn heel? Nobody. And he kicked AJ in the balls, and then he uh, defeated AJ and became the new WWE champion. And then he also attacked AJ after the belt. So this changes Survivor Series again, because it's supposed to be what we've seen before, Brock Lesnar versus AJ Styles. Now we're supposed to see, with a only five-day buildup and no television in between, Brock Lesnar, Universal Champion against Daniel Bryan, WWE Champion. I'm psyched about this, but there's no buildup. Um, now, first of all, before we go into, because we'll talk about Survivor Series later, what do you think about the Daniel Bryan heel turn? And then what do you think about now? Does that, how that changed for Survivor Series? How did that affect you going into watching it? I think that the Daniel Bryan heel turn was good. It was fresh. Uh, I, I like the fact that they actually did something unexpected on SmackDown mm-hmm. and had, not only him turned heel, but he actually won the title. He did. On SmackDown. And I think we have been talking about if Daniel mm-hmm. Bryan would ever be trusted with a title again, given right. his history of injuries and things like that. And it's like, yeah, they sure did put it on him. You know, so I thought it was good. Um, I'm not sure if I'm truly convinced of his heel dumb yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's kind of like, I don't really understand his heel character at the moment, I guess, as far as like... uh, Did you see the promo that he cut the week after Survivor Series? No. On SmackDown. Okay. I don't think I saw that promo yet. Check check Hulu out because you might be able to see half of it, but that the only (laughs) half... Sorry. (laughs) The half you'll see... (laughs) He, He talks about... He talks about himself in the third person, basically, is what he does. Um... And he talks about the old Daniel Bryan and the new Daniel Bryan. Uh, and the old Daniel Bryan was weak and confused, and the new Daniel Bryan is strong and motivated, and the new Daniel Bryan will do what it takes. And now, now the way it came across, he's great on the microphone, but the way it came across is he's going to be the Brock Lesnar of the WWE Championship that the Brock Lesnar is to the Universal Championship. These championships have nothing to do with storied legacy at this point. It has to do with who can you get in there to tell the story. Um... Because AJ Styles having the WWE Championship for over a year, and it goes down to a heel Daniel Bryan on a SmackDown Live. And Brock Lesnar, of course, will defend the title whenever he feels like it, whenever. So Daniel Bryan can work this limited schedule now, only working marquee matches, and once in a while showing up on a house show. Because they're not going to work him 300 days a year either. So... That's what we're going to get the workhorse championships hopefully now between the U.S. title and the Intercontinental title, and then we're going to get the main event champion storyline championships. This is what I think, in just my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I we'll think, go back and watch that interview. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to go back and watch it, um, but I mean, I think you agree it is all about the stories at this point with yeah. with these top guys. Yeah. Um, I think I mean honestly, I feel like you know that's just the kind of the, the championship in the championships. In general, I feel like there's still it's like they're the championships themselves will always be prestigious, sure. but I feel like it is the guys having to really do their job to make people see that they're prestigious. If you get what I'm saying, I got you. 
Um, and why they're prestigious. You know, right. Some people want to go on the tales of the legacy of the title. But if you think of the legacy of the title, Hulk Hogan had the WWF championship for a lot of years, and he didn't work at all. Well, I mean, he did what he needed to do to work. He played the crowd. He gave the three, you know, you know, boom, 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 and then he gave the boot and the leg yeah. drop, and he posed. That's That was the championship. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't really matter. We, we give a lot of... Brock Lesnar and all these other people, but you're right. It's who carries the title and how yeah. they carry. And, the and listen, like, and I mean, I feel like old school. Yeah, you're right. Like they didn't defend about that often. And like, listen, I don't know if I'm remembering things differently. You know, now that I'm older, but I'm like, when I was really watching, and the Bret Hart was champion, yeah. and the Rock and Stone uh, Stone Cold yeah. were champions. I don't remember them coming out on Raw and defending it every week. No, like they would come out, talk crap, and and talk up a pay per view match where right. they would defend the championship. Right. So, it's like, you know, I don't really know, as you were saying, like, people get on Brock Lesnar, oh, he's not there, he's not defending the belt every week, but it's like, old school dictates that the champions defended at pay-per-views, like, right. they were not just coming out, they might come out and do a triple threat match, they might come out and do a tag team match for a main event, but they weren't just defending their championship every week, You're you right. know, that was something special, you were gonna pay to see Stone Cold defend that title, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. so... And it was made a special event, you know. And then when it did get defended on SmackDown like it did with AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan, it's a big deal. It's a, right. And they make it a big right. deal. So, like, like, remember uh, Mick Foley winning the belt on Raw? Yeah. That was a huge deal. That was like, a huge it, deal. Like, that didn't happen back then, you no. know. So. And that was pre-taped. That wasn't even live. Right. And WCW Nitro actually yeah, gave they, away they the damn storyline yeah. before it happened. But, you know, more people ended up still watching McFoley win the championship. Isn't that funny how that backfired? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, going to tell you what's on this. Oh, we're yeah. going to watch this. Yeah. So, um, I'll tell you what. Yeah, this is this is great. We could go on and on and on and on. And we will. But uh, let's, uh, let's take a break and let's... Um, come back with this interview with, uh, again, who's end up being a, a really good acquaintance of mine in the recent history. His name's Michael Spedden, S-P-E-D-D-E-N. Uh, he is a podcaster. He is an actor. He is a singer. Uh, he he works with, uh, you know, Halloween companies like Kim's Crypt. So if you've ever been scared out there in Pennsylvania, he's probably one of the guys that come out and did it to you. Um, he does a lot. And listen to this interview. Uh, we appreciate your attention. But we, Big Ugly, you and me, the OGs, are going to come back in the segment after that, and we're going to talk about NXT War Games, we're going to talk about Survivor Series, and we're going to talk about what you can expect from the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast in 2019. How do you feel about this? Oh, man, I love it. All right, CM Funk, take us to... Oh, he's not here. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Hi, uh, shout out to CM Funk. Jam and Jason, take us to... Oh, damn. <laughs> See, it's just us. I, I'm right. used to throwing yeah, throw it to it people. Right. You can throw it to people, yeah, man. Chris Burns, take us to break because Chris Burns, I actually have been trying to track him down because about this time last year he was getting out of jail and we didn't know where he was living <laughs> or what he was doing. So we're going to shout out to Chris Burns and we hope he's doing okay. We hope he's found uh, some family, some ways to eat <laughs> found some, some turkey. Peace in life. <laughs> so, found some peace in life, some you know something for the soul. And uh, we're going to be right back uh, right after this with an interview with Michael Spedden. And then you and I, Big Ugly, are going to be back after that to talk about NXT War Games Survivor Series and more. So on that, we'll be right back. We are back. Yep, on the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. My name is Dirty Mike, and I am doing an interview right here with the Big Ugly's permission. He allowed me to go off on my own and do this one. So I am speaking to a gentleman who has 
many hats. I'm sure he has many hats as costumes, but he wears many hats. Uh, he has done, uh, even in the short time that I've known him so far, he's done more than, you know, I can think of most people doing in their entire lifetimes, but this guy keeps it busy. He keeps it real. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Michael Spedden, everybody. Yeah, all right. Welcome. Mike, how you doing, buddy? I'm, I'm doing great. It's great to be here talking to you, Michael. It's, uh, excellent. I've, uh, I enjoyed the time when you came on uh, my podcast, Power Players Radio, and uh, we had a really great conversation. We could have talked all night, you know? Yeah, yeah, we sure uh, could have. Yeah, and um, yeah, things are going really well. I'm glad to be here on the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. Um, I'm not a wrestler. That's the one thing I don't do here, but I've got a lot of other things I'm involved in. You know, you and I met a few months ago singing with the chorus of the Chesapeake. Um, That's right, doing some barber shopping. Yep, a tradition kind of handed down to you, I guess, from your father and mm-hmm. to me to me from my grandfather. And uh, there's still a few of the old timers that remember my grandfather. You know, he was a charter member over there at the chorus. Uh, and he was with them from 1956 until the day he passed away in 2004. Wow. And um, he lived and breathed that whole chapter. And um, he was there in the good old days with Fred King and... Um, you know, when they were winning the international championships and traveling all over the place. And um, it's a shame, you know, life wasn't um, such, you know, I wasn't in a situation, you know, at the time, you know, where I could have joined when he was active. You know, that really would have been nice for us to do that together. Um, but I see you and your father, you know, kind of enjoy this together. You know, well, that's a really good thing. You know, if anybody is interested in something healthy, wholesome, great that you can do as a family, you know, um, it is an all-male thing you can do with your father, your brother, uh, come out and join, come out and sing, you don't even have to really know how to sing, I mean, people will, you know, be nice and take you under their wing, and um, you'll be able to, uh, you'll be you'll be singing with everybody in no time, we'll just say that, right? That's right, and uh, that's that's a good plug there, uh, we, we talk about everything on the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast, we go off into so many tangents, and uh, you know, being part of the entertainment business, uh, that's part of it, so if you want to, you know, if you are of the male persuasion, uh, you can come on down to the Dundalk Government Center on Tuesday nights at 7pm, uh, you know, and 7.30pm actually, and talk to one of us, and we can certainly get you in as a guest and have you come singing some, uh, maybe some Christmas carols, maybe the, the uh, national anthem at the, at the Baltimore Orioles game right there at Oriole Park in Camden Yards and so many other opportunities for fellowship and just an all-around good time singing. And if you know how to sing, if you don't know how to sing, if you think you might, you just come on down. It's a good time. It is. It sure is. And, you know, and all the things that you get to go on, there's a lot of nice bonding you can do with the other folks. You know, the Oriole games are a lot of fun. The Heritage Fair. That's right. Uh, they, you know, the Heritage Fair, the Oriole Games, uh, the Christmas Caroling. You know all of that. It's just, and, and you know you're with a hell of a, a hell of a nice group of guys too. So you make a lot of nice friends, and uh, everybody's friendly. So it's something I highly recommend. You know, to come on out, at least give it a try. Give it a try. You know, um, a young man by the name of Mike Rowe gave it a try. Mm-hmm. I guess close to forty years ago. You can see where he is now. Oh yeah. You know, and uh, that so. that one of his uh, humble starts came right from there, and that's that's pretty cool. So you never know where it could lead, where it could go, and uh, you know, I've been I've been involved in the world of professional wrestling for a lot of years, whether it be uh-huh. behind the scenes or 
involved as a ring announcer or referee or whatever the case may be. But, uh, you know, eventually my entertainment side got me into, and I've done theater before, and we're going to get into that with you because you've got a lot of uh, background in that. But mm-hmm. you, you never know, all walks of life can come together. And I found out that you, of course, you know, standing pretty much, well, you, you stand about seven feet tall, close to it. You're very, very tall, <laughs> taller than me. So you could be a professional wrestler. You got the build for it. Um, and you definitely got the voice to uh, put a promo over. But <laughs> what I learned about you is that you are, uh, you are an actor. You are an actor on the stage. You're an actor in uh, several different kinds of theater. And you're an actor also... Um, basically you you're doing uh you've done some you know television work movie work things like that why don't you talk about that a little bit mike i've appeared in a couple of uh, movies that were locally produced in the baltimore area uh they're called the company was called lee doll film mm-hmm. and uh the first one that i was in was a uh it was a small cameo part it was called um uh, rise and fall in love and it was it you know the movie was really it was kind of a it was aimed, I guess, towards like teenagers or maybe tweens. Mm-hmm. It, it reminded me a lot of like a monkeys episode. Um, <laughs> how there was a, you know some teenage love, there was a big mystery, and then there was a song. You know, um, uh, you know how the monkeys, you know, they'd have their adventures, and then also they would break and do a song, and then they go back and do their. It was kind of like that. Um, super nice people to work with at Lee Dahl Films. Uh, Lee Dahl himself. Um, was on the set. Uh, Kate Jackson, uh, his daughter Luanna Lee. Mm. Uh, Lee Dial Films is also the uh, home of the Luanna Lee series. Uh, there's a lot of um, they put together some mystery stories based around a young girl detective Luanna Lee, and uh, they're they're nice too. I mean, they're really uh, good wholesome things that you can watch with your kids, and I felt good about doing those. The second one that I did. Uh, I played kind of a creep. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was uh, stalking somebody in the woods, and I knocked this person out and dragged him into a shed. Awesome. And I and then I get killed. That seems to be a theme whenever I'm a bad guy, I get killed. And uh, that one was um, that one was called Ready for Action, and that came out a couple of years ago too. Um, I've done a couple of local commercials uh, for Bay Management Group. Um, if you listen to uh, WBAL, uh, especially during Ravens games, from what I understand, you hear my voice doing the uh, Chesapeake Employers Insurance commercial. I've done a little bit of voiceover. Um, I did some voiceover for another Lee Dial film that was about George Stover. Um, I don't know if you've if that name rings a bell, but he was in a lot of the John Waters movies. Okay. Earlier movies. Um, not so much the hairspray crybaby era, but more of the uh, uh, female trouble, um, what was the other one that he was in? Um, he got smushed by that big lady that was on the greeting cards. Um, what was her, What was that one called? Oh, gosh. Oh, man. For living. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, she was, he was in that, and um, apparently he was, he was sort of like an abusive husband, and his wife was mentally ill, and uh, the maid was this big lady... Um, she was on, you may have seen her on greeting cards years ago, um, a big African-American lady. He used to, she was really kind of heavy, but she used to wear like little skimpy outfits and it was kind of, you'd find those cards at Spencer's. Yeah. Um, so it was a story about his career and he has a list 
of movies that he's been in over the years that were that, that's as tall as me if you typed it in very small print even. Uh, so I did some voiceover for that. Um, it turns out the part that I had that voiceover uh, was there was a section in the movie that talks about he actually surprised a burglar in his house and uh, the burglar shot him. And it was very close as to whether or not he was going to make it. So they had to kind of recreate the news broadcast, and I did the voice for that. Um, another group that I've been um, associated with over the years that I've really enjoyed has been Hunt the Killer. Hunt the Killer is a game that gets sent to your house every month. Mm. Um, and what you do is they send you a box of clues, and you have to go online and listen to things. And every month you put together, um, you're basically catching a serial killer. Wow. Every month. And I was in a commercial for that where um, you only, they only filmed me from the back and like from the neck down, so you never really saw my face. But I was walking like around with an axe, and I was uh, dragging bodies draped in plastic into shallow graves and burying them, and <laughs> that was a lot of fun doing that. And I also did some voiceover for their game that they have online. Hmm. Um, and that was a lot of fun, too. So I've, I've done lots of different things, and I've really enjoyed my experiences so far. I've kind of had my feet in everything. Um, and recently, um, you know, last year, I formed uh, with my wife uh, the Foul Players of Perryville. Ah, and talk about that, yeah. Yeah, we were asked by the uh, owners of a boat called the Black-Eyed Susan. As a matter of fact, I can look out my front window and see it parked or actually docked over at Havana Grace at the Havana Grace Marine Center. Mm. And um, it's a really, really nice river boat. And it goes up and down the Susquehanna pretty much between Port Deposit and then out to the bay a little bit. And uh, we've done, I'd say, in Oh, I'd say about eight, six or eight shows a year, probably probably about six shows a year the last two years, you know, dinner shows on the boat where we're doing murder mystery. And um, it's been a heck of a lot of fun. I've had some, I've been fortunate to be able to recruit some really great actors that I've known over the years to uh, be a part of it. And um, the people really have a good time. You know, the whole room's smiling, which makes me feel good. Um, the food is excellent. There's a company called Larapin that does the catering. And um, I, I'll tell you one thing, I highly recommend Larapin. Um, they, you know, you put on your plate what looks like a piece of fish or a piece of roast beef and you taste it and they have it seasoned so perfectly. I mean, mm. whatever people are eating during the show, I look out to see when it's time to go on, you know. And we, but when, it, when, it, when I look out over the floor of people are eating, it's like dead quiet and all you see are the tops of people's heads. <laughs> you know? Wow. So, um, yeah, so that's a really good, uh, the, the food is really good on the boat. Uh, the cruises are nice. Um, I would recommend if you do go, you know, keep an eye on the uh, Black Eyed Susan uh, website. Now, we're done for the year now. Our season is over on there, and I think they're going to kind of close it down for the winter time. But I think we're going to start again in the spring. But the website is www.blackeyedsusanhdg.com. And you can get your tickets there, but um, we're going to start doing movie uh, uh, murder mysteries coming up again in the spring. I think sometime in May is normally when we start. Um, and again, they're a lot of fun. Um, you know, they're you can bring your family to it. You can bring your wife. You can bring your kids to it. You know, there's no below the belt. You know, there's no uh, cursing, and um, it's not bloody. 
that are particularly uh, disturbingly gory or anything like that that you would have to worry about. So um, it is good, clean, wholesome fun that everybody has you know, a good time and a few laughs at and everything. And um, I'd love for you to check it out. Uh, we do not have a website at this time, but we do have a Facebook page that we're called the Foul Players of Perryville. Uh, go ahead and like it. And we will keep you posted as to when we get started again on the uh, Susan coming up in the spring. Now, um, we have had some good news lately, uh, some other good news, very exciting. Um, we have also gotten an account with the Western Maryland Scenic Railroad out in Cumberland. Wow. And uh, that's, a really, that's a really nice train. It's, they have cars uh, that are made up from all different eras. You, know, you have some of like the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. Um, you know, the, a lot of the seats and the furniture and the decor is authentic. And not only do they have, you know, our murder mysteries on them, but they also have tours where you can go uh, through the mountains of Cumberland, out to Frostburg, and, you know, the trees are just beautiful. You know, when, it, um, when it's summertime, you know, it stays light later, and you can look out the windows a lot longer. You can look at all the trees and all the, uh, you know, just all the scenery, and then in the fall time, it's really nice too with the changing of the leaves. And uh, we're going to have our murder mysteries on there. Those are going to start in January, and um, I believe their website is uh, it's what if you Google Western Maryland Scenic Railroad, you can find it. I believe it's wmsr.com or .org. I think they are a nonprofit. Uh, but the food is really good on these as well. Um, I'm not sure who the caterer is, but they do a great job. And, uh, we, again, we have a lot of laughs on these. It's a lot of fun. You know, we break the third wall or the fourth wall. You know, we interact with the crowds, and um, you know, we're cutting up with people. You know, somebody tries to zing us, we can zing them right back. <laughs> and, um, and the thing is, it's fun about it, too, is we're doing these shows. You know, every scene, we're dropping clues or we're saying something that means something. Yeah. You know, so uh, people can watch. And I see some people, I mean, they're regular detectives. They have their program out, and we give them a little pencil so they can vote at the end. But they, they have their full, they have their program unfolded, and they're writing down notes and clues, and they're writing down this name, and they're drawing charts and everything on there to try to, <laughs> <laughs> to, try to figure out who did it and who wins. And um, you know, who did it and who was the killer, so they can you know, win. And um, at the end, we have uh, drawing. Whoever wins uh, gets entered. You know, whoever picks the correct killer, uh, their slip gets put into a hat, and then we draw. And the uh, winner usually gets a door prize or something, uh, you know, to uh, you know, take home with them and everything. And they are pretty nice prizes too. They're usually keepsakes from the train and from the boat, but they are still nice. Um, so uh, we've got that you know, going on well as well, starting in January, um, and that's going to be going uh, January. I think we're doing one in March, one in May. All this will be posted on the uh, Foul Players Facebook page, and we will have a uh, a uh, Facebook, or actually we will have an actual separate website, too, um, coming. Um, other than that, outside of the Foul Players and outside of uh, you know, the barbershoppers, um, I recently was in Heidi. Uh, I uh, did a couple of dates at Baltimore Actors Theater. Very nice. Yeah, up in... Uh, it's off of Shawan Road, uh, Beaver Dam Road. It's right next to the um, Oregon Ridge. It's in Oregon Ridge. Yeah. It's actually called Oregon Ridge Dinner Theater. 
And um, I was just in Heidi there. I played Mr. Sesamine. My lovely wife played Miss Rottenmeyer. <laughs> and uh, we, I did a couple of weeks with them, and that's, that play is still going to go on um, through December. If you go to BaltimoreActorsTheater.org, and it's theater with an R-E at the end, um, the fancy-schmancy way of spelling it, um, you'll uh, be able to get tickets for it and everything. It's going to be on Sunday afternoons through December. Um, and coming up next week with Baltimore Actors Theater, I'm going to return for my sixth performance, I believe it is. My wife, I believe this is going to be like her 30th, of Babes in Toyland. All right. That's going to be a Crowshaw Auditorium at Goucher College. Uh, tickets, I believe, are like $20 for adults. I think they're 15 for kids, for seniors, and then for kids 12 and under. Don't quote me on that, but you can also go to Baltimore, BaltimoreActorsTheater.org for that information, too. Um, now, Course of the Chesapeake I, knows that auditorium pretty well. Yeah, I know, because the barbershoppers are there. That's well, right. The one, yeah, last May we did the uh, Ode to the Beatles, and we did all that Beatles music, and then coming up uh -huh. in May of 2019, we're going to be back there again. So uh -huh. uh, it's a really nice auditorium. It's uh, very nice, very spacious, very easily accessible, not too far away. And, uh, you know, th this, uh, this man right here. This, he he is uh, involved in a whole lot of stuff. We've talked about theater. We've talked about, you know, being on the murder mystery thing. We've talked about, uh, there's a couple of things we haven't even hit yet other than the barber shopping. I know that you have done before. I'll talk about what you're doing next week shortly, but I know you've done before, uh, I think, something with the Halloween, getting involved in the, uh, some of those haunted, uh, some of those haunted uh, attractions that are around. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I've been proud to be a part of Kim's Crypt up in Spring Grove, Pennsylvania. Kim'sCrypt.com. Yeah. I've known, I've known Kim, you know, not that well, but um, since, since the 80s. You know, we're both musicians. Uh, she's still in Scarlet Angel, the same band she was in back then as a drummer. Um, I've played in a couple of hair bands in the 80s. Uh, one was Fritz's Dynamite that we had done a couple of shows with Scarlet Angel. Um, I was later in a band called Orange Seed Parade. We used to play at CBGB's, and we opened for a few national acts back then. Um, and that stopped around 92. Um, but, yeah, um, I got to know Kim back in those days, and then we kind of reconnected when I was doing a different podcast about a year or two ago. And um, I've had her on my, uh, my podcast, which is Foul Players Radio, of which Mr. Mike Dells was... The first episode of this season um, was Mike Dells. Uh, I know that guy. Dirty Mike knows him very well. Yeah, yeah. Dirty Mike, yes. Dirty <laughs> Mike. Yeah, yeah Dirty Mike. And, uh, yeah, we, we had a great talk on there. And I didn't realize that you had done as much theater as you had had over the years either. Um, that was that was a nice surprise. And I really enjoyed that talk. That was one of my... Um, you know, one of my favorite episodes. They're all, I love all of my guests, don't get me wrong, but I really uh, enjoyed getting to know, you know, a little bit about your background on there, talking about what you're doing you know, with this and everything. This is just great. You know, I really, uh, there really seems to be a resurgence in the popularity of wrestling. Yes. Over the last few years. Oh, yeah. Um, I know that you've been involved. I mean, you're, you know, you're, uh, house is a shrine to it as well. <laughs> the mansion that's right the mansion right here uh there's a lot of uh memorabilia a lot of paraphernalia 
and uh, I'm a big fan. Uh, you know, I'll always I've been involved in the business, but I'm a fan first and foremost, and I'm still a fan. And now I get to to do it in the podcast world. But the best part about the podcast world is, you know, you could have a uh, dirty, ugly wrestling podcast, and it could center around wrestling. And trust me, on this very episode, we're going to talk about a lot of wrestling. But we go off on so many tangents: movies, theater, politics, uh, sports, whatever. Uh, and this, you know, conversation, you know, we're 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 both getting to learn a lot more about each other. But the resurgence, you know, wrestling kind of takes hills and valleys, just like any entertainment form. And uh, you know, right now it seems like. There's a lot of opportunity to come, you know, back up the hill. There's a lot of companies out there, professional, independent, otherwise, that are doing their thing. And, and there's a lot of people out there doing, in the movies, in the television, you know, professional stuff. And also on the independent, on the smaller level. Uh, and even though you're not a professional wrestler, I, I, I've been a referee, a ring announcer, and I, I've had one official professional match. I am undefeated. So... <laughs> That's great. I right. I I can go down in the in the in the Hickory history books as undefeated, but um, that as long as I don't ever have another match and I don't lose, I mean that's okay. But it's it's all about fun. It's all about entertainment, and it's it's all about taking taking that part of yourself and and losing yourself in the characters, losing yourself in the stories, and and you've done that several times as you've mentioned. And why don't we just talk about? Uh, why don't we lead into what you're talking about? What you're doing next week? I believe you're going to be uh, involved in a critically acclaimed television program. Yes, uh, next week I'm going to be uh, up in New York City. Uh, I'm going to be filming. I uh, auditioned for it. I landed a role in the show Gotham. Uh, Gotham is on Fox. It's a show that's, um, for those of you that don't know, it's on the uh, Fox network on TV. And the show takes place in the years before Batman became Batman. It's a little more focused actually around um, the Commissioner Gordon character that we know from most of the Batman movies and TV shows and everything. But as he was a police officer rising through the ranks, and um, all the criminals are kind of, you know, coming to be in this show as well. And I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be a blast. I'm going to be up there for two days next week, and I go for my uh, wardrobe fitting on Monday. And this is a real thrill for me. Um, And actually, this is going to be my uh, debut on national TV. Uh, And believe it or not, you know, this is how things kind of happen in threes. Things happen in twos in my house because my wife, um, we're both with the same uh, agency. To uh, it's called Kathy Parker Management out of Voorhees, New Jersey. Georgian mm. uh, Brusesi is our uh, manager. Uh, my wife just made her national TV debut on Law and Order SVU. That um, was on a little earlier in November, November first, as the jury uh, for a person. And wow! Um, so it's it's been exciting times in our household here. Um, yeah, we both are making our network TV debut now. I don't think that the episode I'm in of Gotham is going to air until the spring sometime. I think the new season starts in January. And I believe, you know, filming-wise, there are a good number of episodes in so far. 
So I think it may be a while, but I'll be sure to call you back and let you know. Absolutely. And all of our listeners are definitely going to be uh, involved in Fox uh, Fox Television coming up because in 2019, I believe, they are taking over the contract for a show called SmackDown Live, which is uh, a live professional wrestling television program that uh, airs every uh, Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. And I think oh, that's going to be coming on in the fall. Fox taking over uh, Fox has dominated the news world, they've dominated the sports world, and now they're going to del- dominate the television world with uh, Gotham and a SmackDown Live. And you never know, mm-hmm. the way independent wrestling goes, uh, you know, some of us could show up backstage at SmackDown Live and we could get picked for some kind of segment. I've done that before where it's like, hey, we need some extras to be security guards or we need some extras to be crowd yeah. people and... Uh, you know, I've gotten to do that before, and that's a lot of fun. So you are going to have a great time in New York and, you know, a lot of work, maybe a little bit of play. New York is a great town to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, eat and to look around, and there's a lot of things to see, a lot of things to do. The city that never sleeps, as they say. It never sleeps, I tell you. I, I, you know, I used to really enjoy going up there, you know, 30 years ago to play at, like, CBGB's and a couple of other places, and... Um, I tell you, that was um, that's a whole other show right there. I could tell you about those things. <laughs> um, there was a movie that came out a couple of years ago uh, called CBGB, and it was about that club and yeah. the owner and um, the guy. Oh, what was his name? He played the Snape's dude in the uh, Harry Potter. He was in the Die Hard terrorist guy, um, Rickman. Oh yeah, Rickman. Alan Rickman. Yeah, he played the owner and. From what I remember of going up there, everything, every way they described that club was really 100% accurate. They actually really did a good job of rebuilding it for the movie, uh, <laughs> recreating the set. But one of the uh, catch lines for the movie was, I think, 50,000 bands in one disgusting bathroom. And when I had played up there, I think they were a good 15 years of having never cleaned it. And I would have <laughs> hated to have been there um, you know, towards the end when they finally closed and everything, but um, it was just such a legendary place to play, um, and I was really fortunate to have been a part of that back in those days. Um, you know, so um, also too, I wanted to plug my uh, podcast. You know, I've mentioned it a few times. You know, that I've had you on there. Yeah, um, I've had some really interesting guests. You know, um, nowadays, you know, there are a lot of podcasts out there for different purposes. Um, you know, some are political, some are you know, entertainment, some are this, that, and the other thing. I wanted to make something, you know, for you know people you know, in our region where we can go to and listen and have a good time. Okay. Um, nowadays, I mean, you know, the, the tension between people nowadays. I think we've had a lot of years of people showing their rear ends on Facebook. And all no kidding. <laughs> you know, and, you know, people who have been friends for 30 years are no longer friends because of fights on there. Yep. And it seems like everywhere you go, there's this pounce mentality. Everybody wants to pounce on the other person, you know, who may believe differently from them. You know, I, I'd like to go back to a day, and even as a host, you know, um, you know, when... You know, being a host, where you can host a show that everybody can sit down and enjoy together. 
you know, everybody can sit down and enjoy it together and listen and have a good time. Yeah. And one of my one of my heroes was Johnny Carson. Okay. And um, you know, if you watch late night TV nowadays, you know there are a lot of politics being talked about, and they're pretty vicious. I would say, you know, and you know, whether people think it's deserved or not, that's a whole different conversation. But the thing is, is that you know this is further driving a wedge between people. You know, back in the days when Carson was hosting late night, he would make his political jokes and everything, but they were never that vicious. They were never that, and he really wouldn't dwell on it. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, I think he was more of a you know democratic kind of guy, but. He just, you know, he wasn't harping on it, and it wasn't something that just kept going on and on and on and dividing the country. So I kind of want to be like that, something where somebody can sit down and listen to, hey, look what's going on in our area. And that's why I had you, you know. I mean, besides the fact you're a hell of a nice guy, you took me under your wing when I joined the chorus and everything, I thought it was great that you were involved in these, you know, independent-based wrestling and I wanted people to know about it. Yeah. You know? I wanted people to know about it. My most recent guest was a girl named Michelle Wojciechowski. Uh, she's uh, you know, from Baltimore. And she had written, she's written books. She's been a... Uh, write, writes a lot of articles you know, in the past for magazines like Parade Magazine, like the, the Sun Paper. And um, she has her own website called Wojo's World. She writes a lot of really funny really amusing slice-of-life articles. You know, she wrote a book called The Next Time I Move Her Taking Me Out in a Box <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, about her experience when she and her husband moved, all the hoops she had to jump through for the realtor and all the things they had to go through and all the crazy trying times. And it was really a funny book. And I'm like, you know, people need to know. I mean, it's not that people don't know about it, but you know, people that might not otherwise know. I sat down and had a great conversation with her. I had Kim from Kim's Crypt on. Um, a couple of times I had her band Scarlet Angel on there. I actually had a couple of guys that actually were involved with building the attractions at Kim's Crypt over the years. You know, making all the things that jump out at you and all the things. Because I, I wanted people to hear about how people do that kind of stuff. You know, I've had um, you know, Amanda Pugh from the Maryland Center for the Arts on, you know, talking about all the great things they do, the educational free classes that they have for people. They do classes where they bring members of the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra out and show all their instruments to kids and play it for them and have little concerts and little clinics for them so kids can learn about music. I mean, there's so many great things going on in this area here. And that's really what I wanted to focus on, so we can have a good time. I also wanted it to sort of be an oral history of arts, entertainment, pop culture from this region. And, you know, everybody that's been on has had a good time. I even had the chorus of the Chesapeake. I had Kevin King and Bill Day on as my very first episode. That's fantastic. Like, yeah, we were talking a lot about the history of the chorus, talking about Fred King. They brought up some great stories about my grandfather. And that was a really enjoyable episode. I figured it was really a uh, suitable way to kick off my podcast. They were season one, episode one of Foul Players Radio. So um, anybody listening out there, um, you know, um, they would like to hear it. It's 
Foul Players Radio. It's spelled F-O-W-L. It's like our murder mystery group. We call that the Foul Players because we're at Perryville. We're on the Susquehanna River. But there's lots of waterfowl up here, so we figured we'd call it Foul <laughs> Players. So that's uh, the name Foul Players Radio. It's on Facebook. And then you can also find us on um, Stitcher, on Spotify, and on iTunes. Uh, you can go on there and subscribe, too, as well as on Buzzsprout, uh, buzzsprout.com. You can find Foul Players Radio on there, too. Give it a listen. You know, pass it around. You know, let's, let's get back to enjoying each other's company and listening to something nice instead of beating the hell out of each other. Well, only if it's in professional wrestling, when, and we can talk about beating the hell out of each other. Well, have at it. Have at it. Yeah, that's it. Other than that, we're here to have a good time. We're not right. We're not wrong. We're just fans. And that's not just for the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. That's for the Foul Players Radio Podcast. And that's for everybody who wants to not take this world too seriously and just have a good time and enjoy. Live your best life. Make good conversation. Uh, you know, make some good contacts out there, enjoy yourself, make the most of it, and, you know, increase the peace. That's what I'm always saying. So, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Mike, you know what? It's been an absolute pleasure, Mr. Michael Spedden right here. Uh, we really appreciate you. I'm going to use one of your pictures from your Facebook page, and I'm actually going to tag you so that we can tag these Foul Players Radio and tag, uh, you know, the uh, Black Eyed Susan, everything that you're doing and everybody else that you put over on this podcast. You know, we're going to tag everybody and... Uh, you know, we're here on the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. So, you know, we can hopefully uh, trade some things. You know, maybe you, you can, you know, get on some of ours. We can get on some of yours. And we can, we can expand. And we can just, hopefully, everybody out there in the world can have a great holiday season, a great 2019. Watching Fox Television for yep. Gotham, which you will have a part in, and SmackDown Live, which there there will people beating the hell out of each other, but it will all be in good fun. Do not Absolutely. try this at home. Michael, thank you very, very much. Any final words for the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast listeners? Yes, yes. Um, if you or anybody you know would like to be part of Foul Players Radio, if you'd like to be a guest, if you're in a band, if you're an actor, singer, dancer, uh, anything in the arts, painter, sculptor, whatever. I've had sculptors on there before, too, you know, visual artists. You can contact me at 443-600-0446, or uh, the email address is foulplayersperryville.com at yahoo.com. And remember, that's F-O-W-L, Players Perryville, at yahoo.com. Call me. We'll talk. We'll get you on the show. Um, again, let's keep the conversation going. Let's keep the good vibes going. Let's have a good time. And, Mike, remember, too, December 13th at White Marsh Mall, you and I will be bringing up the base, right? <laughs> bringing up the base section. Yeah, I believe we'll be doing Christmas some Christmas caroling. caroling over there at Boscov's. Absolutely, absolutely. So that'll be fun. That'll be a good time. Anybody can come out and enjoy that for free. You can do some Christmas shopping if you want. Now, that's not free. You know, the, the singing is free. The entertainment is free. Uh, you can come out and do some Christmas shopping about uh, 12 days away from uh, that day of the year. And, um, 
Mike, you know, it's been great. And, uh, you know, I got to uh, put this out there. That phone number, you know, for any of the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast listeners that uh, might be involved in any sort of the entertainment uh, world and things like that, um, you know, check that out. Check out Michael Spedden. Check out everything that he does. And check out everything that we do. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a, sh- uh, a short break right here. And then we're going to be back with more of the Dirty Ugly Wrestling podcast and uh as you mentioned uh one more thing you said about the kim's crypt i'm sure you've uh, scared the heck out of me because i've gone over there and i i'm uh, i love that kind of stuff i love the entertainment the makeup the 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 uh the production value but i'm sure i've had the crap scared out of me and probably by you at one point in time uh you never ever know but thank you michael been an absolute pleasure hang on the line real quick before we uh uh Disconnect here, and we'll be right back on the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. We are back on the Dirty... Yeah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Every, you know, you listen to the podcast 58 times, you figure you might know. On the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast, my name is Dirty Mike. I'm the Big Ugly. We are back from an interview that I had, Big Ugly, with Michael Spedden. Uh, great guy. As you can see, he does so many things and so many areas, and we're going to make sure to uh, share him on every outlet that we have. Yes. He's going to share us on every outlet he has. I've been an interview uh, guest on his podcast before, The Foul Players, F-O-W-L. Foul, get it? Foul, foul, yes. You know, so and he's involved in you know dinner theater and uh, theater on the boat, theater on the train. What you know, he just is a uh, the man. So, uh, have you? Do you like haunted houses? Like going to those? I I am uh, I am a scaredy cat. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I'm always looking over my shoulder. But I love when I go to haunted houses and same thing with Kim's Crypt, which he talked about uh, having Kim from Kim's Crypt on his podcast. I like. Looking at the production, I like the costumes, I like the makeup, I like the sets, I, I like the settings, the lighting, the the stuff, the fog machines. That's what I enjoy as, as a performer. Uh, and I, I appreciate people who are dedicated to their craft. You could put on a really scary costume and get out there and just stand there and do nothing. I think right. help you. Yeah, you need to get into it. Yeah, get into it. Right into yeah. the character like Michael yeah. Spedden does. You need to really live that character, and that's a you know going all the way back to our first segment. You know, Dolph Lundgren stepped back into Ivan Drago and lived Ivan Drago. If yes. he didn't do it, we would have known. Yes, you know what I'm saying. Exactly. Yes. So yes, I love haunted. Do you like haunted houses? Um, I do. My wife is the bigger of the scary. Like just that whole horror genre stuff. She just loves that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like you said. I'm a scaredy cat. I <laughs> I will go to a haunted house. I don't really care for the ones where they're able to touch you. you yeah, know? no. Like a big one. You know, if you're on the East Coast, uh, the big one in the Pennsylvania area is called Field of Screams, That's and it's a good pretty one. well yeah. known. And you know, they're allowed to like touch you and stuff. And I'm just like, I still haven't gone because I'm like, yo, nah. I, I'm, I get enough fright from the ones where they don't touch me. They're just popping out. Like, yeah. I don't need to feel no creepy hand on me or, you know, so. No. And that's Kim's crib. That's what you, they don't touch you. They, you know, it's all about the experience there. Yeah. It's all safe. Uh, you know, so they they take care of you there. And kids, adults, whatever, do that. Field of Screams, great attraction, huge, but they can touch you. Exactly. I yeah. Don't, yeah, I don't, I don't to Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I've, I've watched videos. Uh, if you go on YouTube, you know, anybody can put in, like, you know, top haunted homes and, 
I think the number one haunted house in America is like ridiculous. It's like you you have to go through it by yourself. They put you through these like crazy situations where obviously they can touch you. It I don't know why anybody would do this to themselves is what I'm what yeah. I'm getting at. Like, you know, it's like, like I'm talking they will strip you of your clothes. Like it, it gets what? Ridic- it gets ridiculous, Dude. man. Look it up. I'll tell you, look I, it up. I'm afraid it's to like even look at this. Involved. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's crazy. I don't know why anyone would do it. But I'll tell you. Well, Michael Spedden is a family man. Uh, he does not take your clothes off. Um, <laughs> he'll change his own from character to character, but he'll do that behind closed doors. Yeah. That's what he does. Um, so, yeah, definitely check out everything that uh, he put up. Uh, you know, check out everything that he has on social media and Facebook and everywhere else. Michael Spedden, great guy. Um, now, back to... Wrestling, the dirty, ugly wrestling podcast. Because we talked about wrestling a little bit in the first segment, and I tried to touch on my interview with Michael Spedden. But now let's let's get into some wrestling that's a little bit dirty, a little bit ugly, but it's wrestling. Um, so NXT War Games happened, uh, and the next night happened WWE Survivor Series. So just for my record, I know you watch Survivor Series. Did you watch any of War Games? I did not. Okay, you should. War Games, when you go back to, uh, when you can, the WWE Network uh, for $9.99 or whatever it also costs now, um, watch that because that was straight up, like up, 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 the, and momentum just kept going. Fantastic stuff. Uh, we'll talk about that here, and I'll give you the quick results here in just a minute. But then we'll talk about Survivor Series because you and I both watched that. And then uh, following on, I think the last big thing WWE does is TLC, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs. Uh, that's what the name of the show is. They might have one or two matches, but maybe not the whole thing, so don't know. Anyway, NXT War Games happened. Everything happened in the same arena. I think it was the Staples Center this time uh, in L.A. I'm not sure, but everything from NXT War Games to Survivor Series to Raw to SmackDown, same arena. I think they're getting really used to doing that because they don't have to move a lot of stuff. Um, it's very easy on the crew, very easy on the, the cast of characters that's in there. So, uh, NXT War Games, Matt Riddle, uh, who is, uh, new guy, new guy, basically new guy on the block, all on the independent scene, huge. Everybody knows him, but new guy on the NXT. Um, he's got this bro thing happening, bro. Hey, bro, 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 you know, yeah. just kind of thing. Um, he squashed Cassius Ono in three seconds. Um, there Why was do people a, still wrestle without shoes. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, and why do people still wrestle in basketball jerseys? I, I don't understand that either. Uh, but Cassius Ono was a huge, uh, big on the independent scene for a long time, and now he's there to get other people over. So hopefully he still gets something next to But that was a squash, so that was a fun way to start the show. Um, Shayna Baszler, two out of three falls, defending the NXT Women's Championship against Kyrie Sane. Now we've seen this match before however it just gets better and better the more story that they tell uh two out of three falls done very very well and Shayna Baszler keeps the championship um and uh, we still have this possibility of the actual four horsewomen thing against the NXT four horsewomen uh the UFC WWE still a possibility you never know could happen um now here's a good one Alistair Black um Fought Johnny Gargano one-on-one. I have five stars listed next to this, and this was a fantastic match. Johnny Gargano, and pretty much anything any he's ever been in, um, is great. But Aleister Black wins. What do you think of his heel turn? You know, I'm I'm not on board with it yet, 
but I understand it. You're not on board with it because he's not selling it well, or what? It- I'm not on board with it because they. We have too many heels in the WWE and NXT overall, in my opinion. Hmm. Um, there's not enough big baby faces. I thought you I know. I can agree with you. You know, I agree with I, you. I think that's why I'm not on board with it because there's just too much heel going on right okay, now. Okay, but let me ask you this: Is it partly the fans and and WWE in general just having a hard time creating baby faces because the fans just don't accept them? What do you think? It might be the fact that they don't accept them, and it's not the babyface stories that they're trying to cram to us, but the people that are ended up being babyfaces are the people that are doing it without the WWE's influence. Becky Lynch, the biggest babyface in the company right now, yeah. and she is because of what she does and how she, was trying to port- she wasn't trying to portray the face character that they were giving her, and then when they t- actually turned her heel, it wasn't, it wasn't working, so now she's an anti-hero. They're, WWE doesn't like her because, I mean, the fans, do, the universe, is not liking her because WWE is telling her to. Same thing with Roman Reigns. They were telling us to like Roman Reigns for a long, long time. The biggest face reaction he got when he came out and he said he had leukemia. So he's gone. When he comes back, he's going to get the biggest baby face reaction in the world, and WWE will probably turn him heel right away. Yeah. Uh, so who is the biggest? Because, I mean, the biggest baby face female-wise would be Ronda Rousey right now. Uh, you know, interestingly enough, but, I mean, we're going to get to yeah, this. We're going to get to what happened she, at Survivor she Series. She got some heat. Yeah. So, I think it's I think it's Becky Lynch. She's the biggest baby face. But, did, but she's not supposed to be. She's not supposed to be, but she's the most over. Over, yes. Okay. So, uh, the biggest baby face that they're trying to portray to us is Ronda Rousey, for sure. Yeah. And then, I mean, it was Roman Reigns, but now, yeah. I don't know, I guess it'll have to be Seth Rollins by default, because Braun Strowman is out. Which is a damn shame, too. Everybody's out. And, yeah, and personally, I feel like they... And we can talk about that. I just feel like they destroyed the Strowman character, but... They did. Um, and it might be partly his own fault because of, you know, something that CM Funk... Uh, shout out to him again, and Jam and Jason. Uh, CM Funk mentioned and he might have had some backstage heat. Yeah. You know, showing up late, not showing up, or, you know, not showing up early enough, leaving early. Uh, you know, you got to play the game. You got to play the game, but also WWE has to understand that like you 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 sometimes you punish these guys but you do it to your own detriment if mm-hmm. you get what I'm saying. Yeah yeah. Um because then it's like there's gonna come a time where you're gonna want people to look at Braun Strowman as this big hawking guy that can't be beat and people are just gonna look at him like the big show. Where right. it's like, you know, no, nah, he's just you know, it's whatever. Yeah, because he can get beat. Right, exactly. And he does because get beat. right, because he does, you know, and it's because you decided like, oh well we're gonna punish you, you know, you don't deserve this, but then you're gonna want us to believe this and it's gonna be like, no You you calling out uh, what is that, the boy cried wolf again. It's like, oh yeah, yeah we want you to believe he's this big hulking character. Well we yeah. we already know he's not. He's not, right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like just get Brock Lesnar out here, like he'll put him down. <laughs> That's right. He can't do Jack, he don't right. do Jack. Well we'll get to that too, yeah. but Brock Lesnar will, you know, put him down because the way they built Brock Lesnar Still, even though he might lose every now and again, but it's the way he loses. He never gets pinned. He never submits. He never. He loses in triple threat matches. You know, no matter what. It, it's I think Under, Undertaker was like the last person to put him down, right? Like yeah. to actually submit him yeah. after he like kicked him in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that was a face thing, right? Yeah, kicking in the nuts. Thing. Yeah, that was a bit, uh, back in Hell in a Cell a couple years ago. Yeah. Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. What a match! Thirty minutes, both of them worked. Yeah, their gave asses him the finger before he <laughs> before sure he uh, passed that out. That was a story that I could get into, man. Yeah, loved it. Um, but to back to what you were saying, uh, the, the the heel turn. I'm not. 
I'm not a hundred percent convinced yet, just because there's a lot of heel Too many heels. Yes. I just think I think he can do it though. I think he's got the potential. It's just you know you only have X amount of time on NXT during a week, uh, and you know depending on if they move people up to the main roster. But I, I think it can be done. Okay. So it's not yet. It's still too too fresh for me. Yeah. What did you think about the story overall as far as like the whole Aleister Black thing and Johnny Gargano being the one behind taking him out? That uh, I'm okay with. It, it took okay. a long time for them to develop that story. But it again, really did, You yes. only have a week on NXT to do it. Yeah. And honestly, to be perfectly honest with you, I catch up with NXT shortly before and after the takeovers. I don't watch it as religiously as I used to. So it, it took a while. Just looking back how long that storyline took yeah. to develop, it took several months. you know. But at least it led to something. Because it didn't make sense to begin with. I thought they were just covering their tracks because somebody was injured. But no, they actually turned a whole storyline out of this. Yeah. Um, but a, again, a really good match. X-Pac was in the crowd for some reason. Um, just chilling, watching. They showed him. But a very good match and leads into another good match. Uh, and I have five stars at this one too. Tommaso Ciampa against the Velveteen Dream. My boy, Velveteen Dream. Patrick Clark. Yeah, gotta love him. Gotta love this guy. Never wins. Doesn't have to. Uh, he will eventually. Hopefully. But uh, he's over like Rover. Now, yeah. talk about a face. He is huge face right now. I was just, now, see, because I was just about to ask you, is he a face? But, but is he just over? Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Because I'm like, at what point did he actually become a face? Because I feel like for the longest time, he's just always been a heel. But he people just actually started loving the Velveteen Dream. Yep. It's the anti-hero it's, thing. Yeah, exactly. He's a face by default because he's so over with the fans. Exactly. And you put him against a major heel, heel character yes. like Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah. Then it's you, you, then by association, again, he just puts Velveteen Dream more. He hasn't changed anything he's done. No. He hasn't changed any. It's just more flamboyant. Yeah, exactly. And he's more more dreamy. If yeah, you exactly, yeah. But he's now he's over, yeah. and I love it. I feel like he turns face when he starts giving him victories over the heels. Yes, so that that's what that's the only piece of the puzzle we're missing. But they can drag that out for as long as they want, and because if by the time they have him win, uh, which eventually he will, but then that means the momentum kind of dies off. Yeah, you know, and then it's nothing to build to. It's the slow build, even though there's so much content. It's all about the slow yeah. build. So what do you think about Dream in the main roster? Because we know it's going to happen soon. Yeah, yeah it's got to be coming. Does his does that character that we love does it get over on the main roster or does he just get put with the no way Jose kind oh, of God. gimmicky damn shame? No, I, I think I think it does get over and I think I hope it gets over big when it first happens because if it doesn't happen at first, that's not going to be a slow build. If if it dies off quickly, right, it's going to die right. off altogether. Yes, yes. Um, he is so anti-hero ish and just so charactery that. It's real, and if it comes up on the main roster, it'll come across. It depends on who you put him with now. Yeah. You know, you, if you put him with a mid carder and give him, you know, mid card status, and don't give him a lot of time to get that character over, then it won't work. It's it's how they bring him up and who they bring him up against. It can get over it on can. the main roster. I, I agree, and I think that the the timing of a character like this is perfect in the sense that you know, right now when it comes to like the whole sexuality talk, like it's. It's pretty big on like this acceptance kind of thing, and mm-hmm. he kind of comes out with this like, as you said, flamboyant. Yeah, yeah. But he's like very mad. It's almost like this prince thing going yes. on, like, but very masculine at the same time, right? You know. So I think that we're at we're at a right stage in society for this character. I agree. So I think he's I think he's a surprise entry in the Royal Rumble. 
I would love it, man. There you go. I would love it. He is never going to win a title on the NXT roster, ever. So, it's a perfect He's time. He's going to be like Enzo and uh, Kaz, man. There you go. Yeah. Well, maybe not exactly. Like Speaking of Enzo. Oh, I didn't even Let's write talk this. about that, right? I didn't even yeah, write this man. Down. Yeah. So <laughs> we haven't started talking about Survivor Series yet. However, let's just, yeah, let's just talk about. Let's just throw Enzo Mr. out there, yeah. wearing the "How You Doing" T-shirt, uh, getting involved and in being almost ringside in the ringside area, getting up on his chair, giving his spiel, and you can't teach that. Yeah. Bada boom, realest guys, guys in the room. room, and he got the whole promo out. Yeah, and then he got. Forcibly removed from the arena. Yes. Um, and also, I believe at the next show, they actually put his pictures up in the building that he was not allowed to come in there. Like are that you next, serious? That next night on Raw. Yeah, that next night on Raw, his picture was fly. Was People, I think, took pictures of it on their phone. It was posted around the arena. He was not to be allowed in. Yeah. Oh so, like, God. WWE, like, banned him from the arena. So, yeah. Oh. What? What? Okay, so... <laughs> I, I when I when I saw that I thought it was funny. You know, I was like, I "Hey, too. that's funny." As I don't know what that he actually came and did that. I thought it was funny and stupid at the same time because I'm like, "It listen, Enzo did something that essentially he got cleared for." Yeah, he did. He got cleared for it completely. But the WWE completely blackballed him before he had an opportunity to, to present his side. Right. He's so he got, right, but he got so he got let go. Which listen, any company, public company, has to do this. Of they course. have to let you go yeah. when this comes out. My thing is, if he had a, if he had to just kept his head down and kept moving along, you don't know if they could have come calling back to him. Sure, because he has star power. He does. You know what I'm saying? He has what it takes. But it's like when you go off and you want to start talking trash about the company, you want to pull stupid stunts like this. Bro, I, I'm sorry to tell Enzo he has no career past this mm. WWE. I know he thinks he can rap. He can't. Okay. <laughs> I know he thinks he can act. He can't. All right. So, it, so it's like, listen, this was your career. And I feel like what he thinks is that he's almost, it's almost like the Eva Marie thing where it's like, I wrestle because that's what I'm doing now, but I, I am so talented. I have it. Bro. No, you, you know, you have just enough to succeed in what you were doing yeah, and yeah. what you're good at. Right. And you've pretty much burned bridges to you know, making the most money. You know what I'm saying? He's yeah, like, I, I don't do. want to wrestle again. You know, it, it's like, you know, he already has a reputation being hard to deal with. I just feel like this guy is committing career suicide all the way around. That is definitely, and uh, he's created a delusion that he's good at things he's not. So I'm he, sorry, he lives ahead. inside his own head, yeah. and he makes the you know he, he that Enzo Amore character or Enzo uh, that was an extension of him, uh, just blown up. But not too blown up because it was more of it just him being him. So I think, and I agree with you, career suicide is where you could put that. I do think, though, that this got him more Facebook views and YouTube views than he's had when he's trying to do his rap thing and trying to do his actor thing. Well, so that's what any publicity is good publicity. Is good publicity. But I will tell you this, though. After the stunt, yeah. they were saying that, because I was reading it. Uh, Bleach Report wrote an article on it. So yeah. after the stunt, his views on one of his songs, like it's Live for 30 for 30, went up, I think, to like 16,000, right? The only reason that this song is popular is because people think he's talking about Liv Morgan. So people <laughs> right. are literally just listening to it, not because it's like, oh, I really love Enzo's rap. It's just because they think they're going to get some insight into his personal drama with mm -hmm. his ex-girlfriend. But they said, even after the stunt, it didn't help his show. Like, th this was the whole reason performing a st stunt at Survivor Series was because he was actually performing a rap show. 
and right. they show footage from the rap show. Nobody was there. <laughs> Nobody was there. It, it's, a, it's like I understand. I understand exactly. I think he's thinking exactly what you're thinking. Like I'm gonna get eyes on me. Yes, but then the eyes are quickly going to leave when they realize you suck at what you're doing. Like, I mean, it is what it is. And this is coming from Enzo fan. You guys know on this podcast, I've always been a big cast Enzo fan. You are. Yeah. And I'm just telling. If, if this, if the, listen, Enzo, <laughs> if you listen to a podcast, know I love you. Know you can't rap. And it's okay. It's okay, man. I grew up around rappers and I can't rap. So I just stick to podcasts. You need to go back to wrestling. So that's keeping it real. Yeah. That's dirty and ugly. That's keeping it real. But let me tell you something from my perspective as a wrestling fan, professional wrestling fan. Never say never. I've seen worse bridges broken down because of this, and I I would say maybe not immediately, but I could see in the future. Maybe not WWE, but if he if he goes to try to get booked on an independent, his price tag's going to be up there, and people are going to watch want to watch him do that ish. Sure, I will say this: worse worse bridges have been broken, but and, and burned down. But you also got to think burned about the person burning the bridges. Mm-hmm. When you think about a burnt bridge, you think Ultimate Warrior yep. and Vince McMahon. Look at the star power of Ultimate Warrior. Sure. That spanned generations. Enzo Morian got that kind of star power. You know what I mean? So when you think about Vince Man mending that bridge, it's like, yo, it's the freaking Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Burnt bridges, Hulk Hogan, Vince Man. It's Hulk Hogan. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like you also got to think about the person involved in the bird. You know, it, I ain't trying to put Enzo, Enzo in that category. <laughs> right. It's like he's not in that category. All right. <laughs> But you know, as far as as far as television, as far as yeah. shock value, I think indie scene might like indie you said, scene I might think be the he way might, to go. Yes, if and, he, if he decides to go back because he's so against it, so yeah. And I know Cass has been out there working on the indie scene, Good. and uh, they should get back together. They should. It would be the best together. thing for both of them. They should both. I mean, think about think about what Cody Rose, the young bucks, are doing on the indie scene. Imagine Big Cass and Enzo floating the indies, getting them all on a pay per view like Cody and the young bucks just did with that. Pay- yeah, I mean, you and it's about it, timing too. People are gonna forget about this eventually, but you know this this little thing right. that's now all over YouTube. At least Enzo's name is out there controversially, so this would be the time to try to make your mark doing something other than what he thinks he can do well. Yes, so that's not right. Yeah, listen, whatever they got between them, because I know that Enzo, I think you know he talked a little trash about Cash or whatever. Yeah, listen. I, I'm calling him by his real name, Eric. All right, from another Eric. Eric. All right. <laughs> Mend this fence with with Cass, your right. old partner, and get back to doing the the thing that you're actually good at, bro. That's that's there all. It is. There it is. That's what he's saying. Yeah. All right. So uh, tangents and more tangents. Back to war games. We're not done. Sorry. Uh, shake it off. But um, no, no apologies here. This is the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. Yeah. This is what we do. And uh, I thank you all for listening all the way through all of this. Uh, we're going to talk some more. And then don't forget, later on, before the end of this podcast, we're going to give you what to expect from us in the beginning of 2019. And there is a prize at the end of the podcast, so keep listening. Wait a minute. You didn't tell me about this. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's a lie. I just wanted you guys to keep I was waiting. Wait a minute. I couldn't even hold that off and write it down on our dirty old right. wrestling stationery. Like, dude, we did not talk yeah. about this, bro. Um, the prize is our podcast right. to you. That, yeah. This is your ongoing prize and yeah. all the archived episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio and yeah. MySpace. Um, all right. One more match. The War Games match. The NXT War Games match. Double ring. Double cage. 
Uh, no roof on the cage. I'm okay with that. Um, I've made peace with that. Um, so we had the War Raiders, um, Ricochet, and Pete Dunne. Uh, Ricochet is the North American champion, and Pete Dunne is the UK champion. Because uh, NXT UK is huge now. NXT UK is actually going to get their own takeover, by the way. Um, against the Undisputed Era of Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and um, Roddy uh, Roderick Strong. So, the idea of War Games is there's a couple competitors that start, and then each you know, there's a team that gets an advantage, so they send out every four minutes or so, they send out another competitor, so it's two-on-one, then two-on-two, then three-on-two, then two-on-two, until everybody gets out there, then it's um, submit or surrender. Uh, what a match. This, uh, the last War Games match that had Sanity uh, and uh, the Undisputed Era in it, no, those guys, was really, really good. This one was even better. Please go back. I, I could never even tell you the highlights because every spot was a highlight. It was good? It was wow. really, really good. Every competitor in that match, they used both rings, they used both cages, they used all elements, and they used... You know, the people, like the bigger people made sense doing the bigger moves. The smaller people made sense doing the flying around. So freaking good. Uh, and the War Raiders, Ricochet and Pete Dunne, won this match. Um, last year, it was the Undisputed Era that actually won the match. Um, and, and Adam Cole, baby, uh, love it. Everything that he does is gold. Everything that Ricochet does is gold. Um, all these guys, it's going to suck when any of them come up to the main roster because they're going to get buried. Because that's what happens. They should stay. Well, I, th I mean, I think they're going to keep 205 alive. So. I hope yeah. so. 205. <laughs> and, and we're going to get to that talking about Survivor Series in a minute. But, uh, dude, this War Games match, I can't put it over enough. Go back and watch the whole show, but definitely as it built. It, this was a show that was two, two and a half hours, and it built all the way from that, that Matt Riddle, you know, first match, that three-second squash, all the way up to every match, including this War Games match. It should be a staple every year. They should do another War Games match. It is a beautiful thing. Uh, they tried to recreate Starcade, but Starcade became a one-hour special on the network that was just broken down to a to a house show. So that was WrestleMania. That was uh, the WCW's WrestleMania with Starcade. War Games is what they known for. Right. Watch this. Good shit. Please do. And WWE Network, watch it and good stuff. So that's War Games in a nutshell. That's what you did not see. Uh, from our conversation here that went off on tangents, are you excited to watch at least some of War Games? Big Ugly. Yes, I am very excited. Um, I've got to figure out how I'm going to watch it, but yes, I'm very excited. All right. Because well, I still don't okay. have the network. But yeah, that's okay. You don't I can, have to. I can get the network just to watch it. So You can, it's and it's on YouTube, too. $9.99. Uh, $9.99 is right. Uh, if, and if we're given, we've given stars and thumbs up, I'm, I'm going to go up and give four and a half stars to this whole thing. I don't know if there's any way they could be better, but I'm, I'm all about striving for perfection but never attaining it. So four and a half stars. Cool. Fantastic. Great stuff. On to Survivor Series. On to Survivor Series. Series. Let's which go. we both watched, Big Ugly, in different places. So the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast was spreading uh, around that night. So let's talk about this. Uh, the 10 versus 10, SmackDown versus Raw, five tag teams versus five tag teams. Um, okay. First of all, SmackDown won. Second of all, they totally disregarded it. Like, it was on the kickoff show, and they kept on saying, because ultimately, Raw won the night. Raw won every match every on the match. main card. 
But they kept on saying it's six to zero, six to zero. I was like, wait a minute, we just had the kickoff show. All the guys wearing the shirts, were, and they were doing this all night long. By the way, I'm going to ask your opinion about that. Red bra shirts, blue SmackDown shirts. Um, dude, the, the, the SmackDown won, and that they they started off the night, and they even said during the commentary of the match, SmackDown won, so SmackDown's in the lead. But all night, the only one that was ever mentioning it was Corey Graves saying, "Well, SmackDown won the first match of the night," and. You know, but anyway, fantastic. Loved it. Throwback. This is the first time that they've done this kind of match in a long time with the tag team matches. What did you think? I thought the tag team match was pretty good, and it was a good way to start the night off. Like you said, I I didn't. I mean, I guess I understand why they were like they they were only count they don't count the kickoff match. You know, that's I guess that's what it is. But overall, great match. Okay, uh, that was that's the one that um, CM Funk. You know, shout out to him. Definitely, uh, he he was the most fan of too. I mean that that was the show right there for me. I could have gone. I wasn't too excited about the rest of the card because of all the changes that have been coming on. Yes. But I was excited about that. Um, so the women versus uh, each other, Raw versus SmackDown. Uh, my biggest note here: Nia getting all that heat because um, this is the first time Nia has been out on TV since punching Ronda Rousey, Rousey Rousey in the face. Uh, dude, when she came out and every move she did, she she would just they put the camera on her on the apron. Chorus of boos. So it was a good match. Uh, the Raw women won. And, you know, but more focus on that match was for the heat that Nia got. What do you think? Definitely. Um, I mean, it, it, it was distracting heat. Cause, I yeah. Mean, she, She's a constant reminder of why we have Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all the heat was on her. But it's okay. I think she handled it well. She did. You know? And she handled it. A good thing she's a heel character because she just dove yes. right in and just bring this into her yes. character. Yes, yes. So, if anything, by association, again, it's a mistake. Normally, when somebody makes a mistake like this, they will get, you know, shit-canned like they did to Braun, you know, punish them. Yeah. I don't think they're punishing Nia at all. No. I think they're good. Especially since when we talk about TLC, Nia's got a, a, a shot at the title. So, uh, they're still pushing Nia big time. Okay, here's a good match. And I wrote hot with a couple of exclamation points after this. Who who remembers that Shinsuke Nakamura is the uh, U.S. champion? Not too many people because they don't do anything with it. But he is the U.S. champ from SmackDown, fought uh, the uh, Burn It Down, hot, you know, Seth Rollins, Intercontinental <clears throat> Champion. Uh, I'm just going to say that was the match of the night for me right there. I was just about to say, great match. I just feel like Shinsuke has no, uh, he has nothing, like nothing on him. Like nobody cares about Shinsuke right, right now. Yeah, yeah no relevance, but, no push. Yeah, but as far as matches goes, that, like you said, it was, it was a match of night, hands down. Yeah. Hands down, they put on the best performance. They did. And both of them are fantastic. And, uh, you know, Shinsuke yeah. hopefully will get a little bit more push, whether they turn him back face or keep him yeah. heel, whatever. They need more faces in the company, too many heels. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. 100% great stuff. Um, and as we're talking about Seth Rollins, let's uh, circle back around and talk about Dean Ambrose. I, I think that, you know, Shinsuke is just another one of those characters that WWE is continually haunted by not understanding how to make the Japanese stars big mm. with their limited ability to communicate. Sure. You know, and to really get them over with... Not get them over, but I guess keep them over would be there, the, there better, the right. better statement. Because Shinsuke, when he first came, he was super over. Hot. He was super over. But it's like when you start putting him in there, you start having to give them mic time. And, it, you know, it 
it, I mean, it's just it's plagued them for years. It has. It really has. Same thing happened with Oscar. Right. Oscar's same way. And I mean, all the other great Japanese guys of the patch, you know, it's yeah. they haven't figured out the formula. But the funny thing is, they keep bringing them. <laughs> <laughs> they keep getting them. You know, Hideo Itami, like probably the biggest disappointment. I don't really know if that. That probably don't even count because he just can't stay healthy. But yeah, but I love the Dio Tommy, especially when he started using yeah. the, the GTS to go to sleep yeah. the CM Punk maneuver. Um, yeah, is he still is he still with the company or did he's they still let with him the company? Go? Oh, uh, but I, I think he's either out on injury or they just have nothing for him right now. Yeah, uh, because you're right. If you get injured too long, you become a liability. So they don't they don't want to put you into anything. Right. So, um, but I I agree. You're absolutely right. But another tangent uh, off of another tangent. While we're talking about Seth Rollins, let's talk about Dean Ambrose. Um, so we talked about this last time, I think, on the podcast, how they turned him heel immediately on the same show that uh, Roman Reigns announced he had leukemia. Um, and uh, Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins, there, there's WrestleMania potential right there. I know they're facing each other at TLC, uh, and we're going to talk about that for the Intercontinental Championship. But there's a lot of substance here. Both guys are really good at what they do. Both guys can be a face or a heel, but I think Dean Ambrose is taking the heel character and doing very well. Um, I don't believe he made any appearances at Survivor Series. Am I correct about that? No, he was not at Survivor Series at all. Okay. I don't even think he did like a backstage segment or anything. He Mm-mm. just wasn't there. But I actually thought he was going to interfere in the match. That's what I thought. I'm kind of glad he didn't because this was a workhorse match and it was it was clean. Yes. Rollins won clean. Yes. Um, but there is plenty of substance for this Dean Ambrose-Seth Rollins feud. Um, and there's nobody else really involved. It's just the two of them. Now, here's interesting... Renee Young, as CM Funk, and again, shout out to him and Jam and Jason, uh, said she's not doing the greatest job on commentary. She's not fitting in yet. She's not real comfortable. She's doing okay, not great. But I love how they, when the thing of Dean Ambrose comes up, they don't say that Renee Young is married to Dean Ambrose. But they always ask her. They ask her and they hint at it, and then she gets, like, defensive. And she's like, I don't know what Dean, you know, I can't tell you what's on his mind, but I know he's going to get in there and take care of business. Yeah. You know, and I support him, you know, but it's great. Corey Graves is, like, this heel announcer most of the time now, but he gets on uh, Renee Young's thing, and then Michael Cole is just in the middle. Yeah. I actually don't like it. And the reason I don't like it is because... It's like you can't have it both ways. Like you can't. It's like she's trying to say, I don't know what's going on in his head. Like, I don't know why he's doing the things he's doing. But then at the same time, like, yeah, I I support what he's doing. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, Renee Young's supposed to be like a baby face commentator. Right. And it's like, well, if you're really the wife of a person, then you would know what's going on. So I feel like you've got to go the full hundred. All or nothing. All or nothing. So it's either... You stop asking her about it and just kind of leave that part out of it. Or you you end up having to just drag her into the story of being a heel with her husband. Right. And which if you do that, then she becomes a, a on-screen personality like yes. a, at the ring. Then she can't really do the commentary. Exactly. Anymore, which right. I'm actually okay with because yeah. she's not great at it. But it's great to have a woman full-time commentator because that's more of the evolution of the women and things like that. Yeah. That's great. But you're right. It's I agree with you there. I kind of like them hinting at it, but they're at some point they're going to have to go all in right. or fold. Exactly. And I think that Renee... Listen, Renee is talented. When it comes to those kickoff shows and doing that stuff, like Hell she yeah. worked backstage, like, backstage kickoffs. Like, I mean, she she's the face of that stuff. You she know is. what I'm saying? I just think that it. You know, she's just not the greatest at... That play-by-play commentary, like, right? Is not her, and it's okay. It is okay. Yeah. She's good in short instances, like yes. for for a whole three-hour show doing side-by-side commentary. 
play by play and such, it's a little stretch. Yeah, you know, and um, I don't think she has the wit, the wit, the witting. There's like a certain amount of comeback and wittiness that I think it takes yeah. to do a position like that. Like I know I would never be successful at that. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, more I, of the the call. I want to do. Yeah, uh, I'm, I don't know about the color. I actually, I don't know. What between you and me? I'd say I'd be the lead, yes. and you'd buy, you'd be the color. Yeah. No I, offense. Yeah. No, no. That's good. Yeah. Right. Jesus Christ. I am a colored man. You so are, <laughs> We did. This. Oh my God. See, we talk about that right, all the yeah. time. God, Brian S. Gamble. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no. So, I, yeah, I would be the color commentator, and like you know, and I think that that works. It that does work. Yeah. So you're, you're the Michael Cole of the business. Yeah. I'm undefeated at WrestleMania, right, yeah. but I am undefeated in my personal yeah, life as well. Yeah. So, but yeah. I mean, Michael Cole in a good way, in the sense that he's I had understand. that lead longevity, and I'm, Michael Cole is good at what he does. I, he is I may good not, at what he does. Yeah, he's. I may not care for him as much as like a Jr., but that's just because Jr. is a guy I grew up on. Right. But you know, he's good at what he does. He is good at what he yeah. does, and I'm a big fan. <laughs> so. All in or nothing, uh, but looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in the Rollins-Ambrose feud, because that's going to last a while. Um, so I did mention this a little earlier. What did you think about every superstar incorporating the red into the Raw and the blue into the SmackDown into their actual wardrobe? What did you think about that? It happened pretty much all Survivor Series. Um, I mean, I didn't see a problem with it. I thought it was cool. Well, for the one time of year when Raw and SmackDown go head-to-head, <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually all right with it. But it's, it's kind of like... When I go back and watch the 10 on 10 from 1988, 1989, they didn't have any kind of marketing strategy like that. At no, all. not at all. So when it was literally just all the independent right. stars. Yeah. If you're looking at it as a casual fan, you really don't know who these people are. So, But if you're looking at it as somebody who watches wrestling all the time, you knew who the Killer Bees were, who the Conquistadors, the British Bulldogs, all that. So I can understand how things change in this business and how quickly they move in the 10 on 10. I'm glad that they wore it, but I'm maybe not during the main roster. Now, I don't think Brock Lesnar and Daniel Bryan did it. But then you also, uh, well, yeah, I don't think they did it. Yeah, maybe Brock. No, yeah. I, but I think Seth and Shinsuke did it. So I'm I'm okay with it for I guess the bigger tag team matches, the five on fives, the yeah. ten on tens. But on this, if you're going the one on ones, I don't want to see that. It's just my opinion. I got you. I understand you that. Me? I understand that definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, because it's some of those, it wasn't really about Raw versus SmackDown. Brock Lesnar doesn't give a crap about who he's fighting for. But I think that that's why I think that that's why you have to do that these days. Because when you think about it, when you did Survivor Series in the old days, there was no brand difference. Sure, it was just those guys. When you take a Seth Rollins and you take him versus Shinsuke Nakamura, right? Yeah. If you give them their own identities, you start to think that oh, these two guys are fighting. Like I'm gonna see what's gonna happen between these two guys next week. Sure. You're not going to see anything because they're not on the same brand. So it sort of gives so, it the one and done feel. Exactly. You're it fighting. showed you right. It just shows you I'm just fighting for a team. Okay. For this night, and that's it. I got you. Yeah. And that's that's okay. And, and that's good because you need to be fighting for something. What well, no matter what it is, you need to be fighting for something. Those old Survivor Series, even though classics, I love them. They were really not fighting for anything. Right. They were not fighting for any money on a purse. They were not fighting for any titles. They they weren't fighting for brand supremacy. So it, it's a little different nowadays. You need the viewers need a reason to watch. Exactly. Like what are they fighting what, for? Exactly. Why? Exactly. Um, so, and, it, I mean, but you know, what? I was going to say with Lesnar and Brian. I think I mean technically Lesnar already has the colors of Raw in his gear. So does Brian. Brian already has like blue gear. So. True. So, but it's their gear. Like if yeah. I'm if I'm a wrestling fan and I'm you know looking at 
buying a piece of merchandise or a toy with something marketable on it. I, that's what I want to go see. I don't want to go see red and blue shirts. I don't know. In me live personally, if they started off like that and then just took them off and wrestled in their gear, I'm right. okay with that. Because yeah. I get the idea of what they're starting to fight for, but then let them go. But I understand what you're saying. Yeah. It's just a, a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, Survivor Series. Let's talk about... We had AOP uh, with Drake Maverick <laughs> winning, because they're on the raw side, against The Bar, who had the big show uh, in the corner again. So uh, the biggest thing of this, I wasn't really too happy about the match, but there was a, a, a urine spot. Um, so it was the big show uh, having his hand around Drake Maverick's throat standing on the outside of the apron. And then uh, for some, I'm not sure if he actually pissed himself or, you know, actually had like a button where he had something in, in his pants. I think it. Yeah, I think it was gimmicked. Because uh, he, kept, he kept trying to mess with it. He, he see, was, yeah. yeah. He was like, yeah. He was fidgety. He was fidgety. Yeah. Even so, it was a nice little spot. Uh, we haven't seen that in a while. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, on SmackDown the next week, you know, he had them work walking through catering, and nobody wanted to you know, eat the catering where a guy run the guy pees himself. Yeah. But everybody was getting on him like, man, you look pissed. <laughs> you know, just like giving him the business. So now it's like a little gimmick that he can't. Drake Maverick is a small guy, but he's extremely talented. Him and Jeremy Borash from TNA, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of influence here. So, what do you yeah. think of that match? Good, bad, and different. Listen, anything with the AOP in it, I just kind of want to move on to the next. It's a shame too because they're so talented. Yeah, I, I just, I just, ever since NXT when they first came out, I just, I can't get behind them. They, they, they're just two big guys to me. They don't yeah. really have any substance. It's like I, you know, they put them with these managers, and it's like they look like Shield ripoffs with the gear yeah. that they wear. It's, it's like. I just I just can't get behind them. And then it's like they put the belts on them like, oh, that's going to make people really love AOP now or, you know, really like boo them because I guess they're supposed to be heels. But it's like no one cares. Man. Right. No one cares. No one cares. And the only reason because right. they had to get the belts off of uh, Dean Ambrose Dean and, and Seth. Seth. Right. And that was the. Yeah. So it's like, let's put it on two big guys. It's so like, they're transitional. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. We're not going to talk about that too much. Uh, now for uh, Jam and Jason. Keep it 205 alive. This match was fan. I do not watch 205 Live on a consistent basis. I will be perfectly honest with you. But apparently they're doing some good stuff over there with the hour that they get. Um, and apparently now they're recording it before SmackDown Live tapings, which is great for them. So when SmackDown Live is over, people leave. That's right. good. They leave happy. So it's you don't see a dead crowd on there you know, from 10 to 11. But anyway, here's the match. Buddy Murphy defending... The Cruiserweight Championship. Now, this was the only match on the main card that had nothing to do with Raw versus SmackDown uh, against Mustafa Ali. Again, not following the story whatsoever. Apparently, Buddy Murphy, if I'm if I'm remembering this correctly, him and Alexa Bliss are uh, doing. I believe that's the case. Oh, okay. Uh, actually, Alexa Bliss used to be his uh, buddy and uh, Murphy and the other guy's manager yeah. for a while. But I think they're they're together. Uh, but that's a tangent, Buddy. This match was great. Holy shit, like the, again, pardon my language, but the selling, the storytelling, um, the high spots, which were very well planned out, these two guys busted their asses, and Buddy Murphy winning and holding that Cruiserweight Championship up, I was like, man, this has some substance, what'd you think? Yeah, yeah, no, I thought I thought the uh, the match was good, listen, I, I think I like the comedy, because uh, Ali Mustafa, whatever, he's like a true high flyer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so I like the way that their different styles like kind of play off each other. Yeah. Um, 
Good stuff. Yeah. Very good stuff. Yeah. And, and as you said, I don't watch 205, but it's always refreshing when you see a good like cruiserweight match. And you're like, oh, you know what? This is why you still like cruiserweight matches, you know? Right. <laughs> and this is how they differentiated themselves from the main roster. Because, my God, they're, they're so talented. I, I don't necessarily think I can get behind all the stories leading up to it. I'm glad they did the little package like they do before every single match. But what they tried to tell that story inside that match, I was hooked. Loved it. Yeah. Um, so, who's next? Let's see. Raw side, Braun Strowman, Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, Finn Balor, I believe. Um, against the SmackDown side of Miz, Rey Mysterio, Shane McMahon, uh, Jeff Hardy, and Samoa Joe. I'm missing somebody. Uh, Finn Balor and Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, Braun Strowman. I can't remember. I didn't write it down. But anyway, Raw won. Uh, pretty decisively, apparently. And... Uh, what? Why would Shane McMahon... Okay, first of all, Samoa Joe was eliminated like almost immediately. Uh, and I love Samoa Joe, so I'm not sure why they did that. Uh, Shane McMahon, what are... Why? He's 50-some years old. Why are they getting letting him in there, getting his ass beat, having him go coast-to-coast several times? What's the point of this whole thing? I love Shane McMahon, but I don't like this part of Shane McMahon. I think that... I think that it's the expectation. I think that's a part of Shane's character. It's almost like when you watch Mick Foley wrestle. Listen, nobody wants to watch Mick Foley wrestle without it being some type of hardcore match. You know okay. what I mean? Sure. I, I think that that has become the Shane McMahon gimmick. If you're going to put Shane in there, you got to beat the crap out of him. you got to... <laughs> But then it's like he has to be that guy that even though he's gotten a crap beat out of him, he takes these crazy risks he's going to do to coast to coast. He's going to jump mm-hmm. onto the announcer's table, yeah. and he's going to get up there, and he's going to put his hands up like he can still fight. It's like that's Shane McMahon. And so it's like if we see Shane McMahon without doing that stuff, it would almost be like people I feel like would feel they got cheated. You know, if you're not watching him getting thrown to a gla- through glass, yeah. you know, uh, three times by angle. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> this is what you have to see from him. Like, Because other than that, he, what else does he have? Because Shane McMahon isn't the greatest wrestler. No. So what makes his matches good ends up being this kind of stuff, having mm-hmm. him do all of this. I, I see where your point, and I, that's the way, that if you turn on TV and you see this character, yeah, oh, he's going to, you know, like a McFoley thing, he's going to get the crap beat out of him. He's going to take a lot of risks. Um, I just, I don't know at this point in his career what it, good it's going to benefit him, or if he's just trying to do it for the company. I don't know, but I just now I do like this whole Shane McMahon won the best in the world tournament, which was BS. But uh, the Miz is saying I'm two thirds of the best in the world because I actually went through the tournament, and then Dolph Ziggler on the other show is saying, well, I'm the best in the world because that uh, that whole thing. I had to fight a fresh Shane McMahon, so I'm the best in the world. Right. So I kind of like that they're still dealing with that, um, and then they're not just saying that Shane is the best in the world at anything because he's the best in the world at taking an ass kicking and doing high spots. That's what he's the best in the world. Pretty much, yes. Very good. Uh, oh, by the way, I kind of liked how our truth was going around all night long and uh, trying to be on everybody's team, including I the women. It, yeah. I love it. <laughs> which yes. was fantastic. Oh man, it's I, like a. He's he's a staple to, that gives you that like comic relief, and it just it works every time. It's he is good. so good, and yeah. he, he's good in the ring if he has to be, but he never has to wrestle, in my opinion. Our truth is fantastic. Yeah. Um, now let's get to the two main events of the evening. One, which was the co-main event, which was second to last, which is exactly where I thought they would put it, especially now with the change. Ronda Ronda Rousey on from the Raw side, the champion 
facing Charlotte Flair, the hand-picked opponent from Becky Lynch. Um, so this was a better fight than I thought it would be. Again, with only six days of substance behind it, uh, which is not much. I loved the fact that they let this fight... It was very stiff, first of all. Uh, very good fight. They let it go. There was really no assembling of dominance, but um, Charlotte got herself disqualified by using outside weapons and all this other stuff and then continuing to beat down Ronda Rousey after the, the disqualification. Had to end in some kind of bullshit finish. I didn't think anybody was going to go over clean, especially with only six days. So what did you think of the match, the finish, and how it stemmed from everything we talked about earlier? I think that, as you said, I, I think that it was kind of like a brutal beating. I actually didn't expect Charlotte to get as much offense on Ronda yeah. as she did. Um, I thought the way that the match would work was like Ronda would really take it to Charlotte out of nowhere, and then Charlotte might do something to get herself disqualified. Sure. But it's like, no, she actually, like, it kind of just was like, you know, Charlotte got a good piece of Ronda, and then she also got herself disqualified. You know, like, she, like, snapped. So I thought it was good. I thought it was a good way to keep Ronda kind of, like, you know, uh, Brock Lesnar-ish, you know, kind of finish, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, and keep her, you know, that way. So, um, you know, it 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 worked. I what thought it was good. What did you think after the beatdown was over and after Charlotte got her shine and left? That Ronda Rousey pretty much got up and walked out on her own. I didn't like that. I, I, I the beating I, that she yeah, got you from have to, Charlotte. Yeah. You got to. You I, can't think about it. Brock Lesnar gets Brock Lesnar gets beat down. You can't will Brock Lesnar out of it. Like Brock Lesnar has to get up. I mean, not roll out on a stretcher. Just yeah. more help. Assist. I know she walked up the ramp slowly. She had people walking up the ramp with her. I guess. It was a it was a happy medium where it had to be, but I mean the beating, just sell the beating. And then Ronda came out the next night on Raw, and she was not really overselling it. I, I think it's selling is telling the story. I just think was it too quick to get up and walk? Well, here's out? the thing, you. I, I feel like so you're working with two things there because you 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 got it. You can't let Ronda Rousey look too crazy hurt like you gotta still she's still the toughest woman alive yeah so you gotta you gotta give her that and like have her get up and be like i don't need no get off of me you know what i'm saying but then it's like you don't want her to keep selling it why because there's nothing to sell it's over charlotte flair isn't coming back to raw to continue this angle in right like way. you said earlier you've got to move thing. on okay right. i see what so you're you know i see your point yeah that would be my thing I get it. I'm just, uh, I mean, being on the other side of the business, I guess me for, for selling is a big thing for me. Um, but I get, I understand where you're showing for that standpoint. That makes sense. But it was a better fight than I anticipated. And plus it had to live up to the hype. It had to live up to something because with Becky getting taken out of there at the last minute and Charlotte getting in, uh, Charlotte's the Hulk Hogan. She's the key player. She can yeah. make anybody do anything. Right. And that's she, why I think she's all right. And, and, if, I feel like it would be different, and it could have went different if it was actually Becky versus Ronda. Because even though they're on two different brands, because you got that champion versus champion element, it's like that kind of storyline can still can still be talked about. Mm -hmm. But when you just have Charlotte versus Ronda, it's like, well, there's not really much there because they're on exactly. two different brands, you know. Um, so, and that can that and Charlotte versus Ronda can be different with a buildup. Yeah, too. that's why I meant Charlotte versus Ronda. Right. Yeah. But I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. But uh, it was a better fight than I thought it was, and it was it was okay so far. This pay per view has done okay. It hasn't really blown me out of the water, uh, except for the ten. Oh, sorry, the ten on ten tag match, which they 
ignored, and also the 205 Live match, which had no build-up unless you watch 205 Live. So, so far, everything that wasn't supposed to be Survivor Series-ish has taken the show away from me, except uh, Rollins versus Shinsuke, which was fantastic. Now, let's go to the main event. My expectations for this match, Brock Lesnar, Universal Champion against Daniel Bryan, WWE Champion, um, I, I didn't have a lot of expectations for this match. I, I really didn't know what was going to happen. But Brock won uh, convincingly after a while, but I can tell you I love how this match was booked. It seems like the people that booked Brock versus Goldberg had a hand in this. Because I saw, because there was a lot of squash element happening at the Absolutely, beginning. Absolutely, yes. And it looked like it was going to be a squash from the beginning. But Brock taking too long and Daniel taking time to regain his win. Daniel playing possum. Daniel using low blows when the referee's not looking. Daniel Bryan fought. Just like he fought in the Greatest Royal Rumble for over an hour, Daniel Bryan earned his stripes in that match. Even though it was a heel versus heel, which I was still not unsure of how that was going to happen. But Paul Heyman looked worried. I mean, he was selling the story outside of the ring, and I think this match and this fight was great. And then Brock ended up getting the win, but it didn't hurt Daniel Bryan at all. I think it actually helped Daniel Bryan as far as him not being a heel, but being in the ring fighting at this point in time. And then this actually helped Brock because Brock worked his ass off. Daniel Bryan, just like Shawn Michaels, can get a good match out of anybody. Yes. That was good. What would you think? I actually uh, didn't care for it. I, I think that I, I thought that what everything that you just said was absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, Daniel Bryan played possum, you know, worked on everything. I just think overall it was exactly what I expected. And I think that that I was like, listen, I was like one or two things was going to happen. Right. I was telling my friend I was out of Washington. I'm like, Brock uh, uh, Lesnar's going to squash him mm-hmm. or. Daniel Bryan's going to get in a good amount of offense, and then Brock Lesnar's still going to win. <laughs> so, right. and, and essentially, like that, you know, that is pretty much what happened. I actually liked, I actually would, I actually liked the Goldberg way of things, just because Goldberg got the better of Brock Lesnar, missed one spear, and that was it went downhill from there. Yeah. But it went quick, you know it what I'm saying? Quick. With these matches, it's like because it was almost the same thing with last year with AJ Styles and Brock Lesnar. It was like you know. It was, you know, AJ Styles got some offense on him. But at the end of the day, we know who's going to reign supreme. Right. And because you know that, it to me, it just automatically just, like, takes me out of it. Because it's just like, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's you know, I, I, don't even, I don't even know what the solution is to this Brock Lesnar thing <laughs> these days. Because you just go into a match knowing if it's not Roman Reigns, we know who's walking away with the title. Right. So... Knowing it's a foregone conclusion, that's why I didn't have a lot of expectations for the match either. I yeah. completely see what you're saying. But you're saying overall, just the match quality. Yeah. The way it was As booked. watching right. the match yeah. from beginning yeah. to end, it got me more involved. Yes. And the match actually told a, a good story. Yeah. Um, and even though Daniel Bryan was a heel, the crowd sort of got behind him. And it's for, as far as sort of a Rocky Balboa character fighting up from underneath. Um, you know, kind of same thing. So I, I enjoyed it for what it was. It was, By no means was it... The one that blew out of the water, but it was better than I thought it was going to be. So overall, yeah. Survivor Series, I'll give it three stars. Uh, there was definitely some room for improvement. There was a lot of things that were changed at the last minute, but they all did a good job. I didn't see anything that really stuck out as negative. Uh, what did you think? I'd give it a star out of five stars. Out of five, uh, yeah, I say three. Uh, yeah, I say three. I, I give it that middle ground. You know, I'm not a big Survivor Series fan just because it's kind of. We talked about it's like most of these matches just don't mean anything, and yeah. I guess I'm one of those 
people that like to have a little meaning behind stuff. So people put on good matches, like you got the Shinsuke and the uh, and the uh, Rollins. Rollins match, mm-hmm. you know the uh, Ronda and uh, Charlotte match and stuff like that. So you know it's some good matches put on for the night, but at the end of the day, it's like you still just walk away knowing that there's going to be nothing after this, you know, with these matches to follow up on. Um, I do think that because of the championship matches, I feel like they could do a little bit better job. Like, you know, I would have actually loved to have seen Daniel Bryan just beat Brock Lesnar, how Brock Lesnar responds to that. You know what I'm saying? Does he go and invade SmackDown to like, you know what I'm saying? To beat the crap out of Daniel Bryan. Cause Daniel Bryan like pulled one over on him. Maybe he kicks him in the nuts and wins. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, just to, even though it's like Daniel Bryan would have cheated, it's like just to put some value in where it's not just the same old, same old, you know. But he did kick Lesnar in the nuts, though. And he, he, he did, almost, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, he almost got, got, it, got yeah. the win. Yeah. So, and yeah. the crowd, crowd popped for that, too. Yeah. Is that, so, but, but, um, but yeah, overall, I mean, it, it was straight. I, I think I'm just still trying to think about what, what do you do with this Lesnar situation? Because you don't, you don't have the Superman Roman Reigns anymore. I don't think that John Cena is going to get into any meaningful storyline with Brock Lesnar. Even though they're going to use him because they need the star power on the roster right now. Yeah, they're going to use him, for sure. And so, you, and then Braun Strowman, who I thought they were going to use as the next guy to maybe, not not to say he's got to have Brock's number, but I thought they were going to use him in kind of a Goldberg way, where it's like he beats Brock, maybe Brock beats him, but Braun is like the guy that gets the better of Brock right now. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But that's not the case. So. And we don't know because Braun is out for an undisclosed period of time. However, Braun is supposed to face Baron Corbin at TLC. And the winner of that match, uh, either Braun gets what he wants, which is a championship opportunity with Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble, or Baron Corbin gets what he wants and becomes the full-time general manager of Monday Night Raw. Right now, Brock Les- oh, sorry, um, Braun Strowman is out, so who knows what's going to happen with any of that. Um, oh, by the way, WWE Network... Good stuff uh, coming on, Not, and this is a tangent because we're talking about Survivor Series. Dean Ambrose, The Chronicle, that's a good thing to watch uh, for those that do have the WWE Network. It's kind of a behind-the-scenes of him leading up to turning heel on, on Cena, uh, Dean Ambrose, or on, on Seth Rollins. Not bad. Plus, the Edge and Christian show that totally reeks of awesomeness has a second uh, thing Oh, out. they actually got renewed, yeah. Second nice. season. Yeah. So that's good. Watch that. Yeah, usually WWE canceled everything, so i They do, um, usually, but they, bring, they brought that one back. Uh, before we go into uh, our taking it home and our last part of this segment, uh, where we're going to talk about, uh, again, uh, how we're going to come into 2019 with the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast, maybe talk a little bit about TLC, which we've been talking about. Um, James Ellsworth, uh, you know, just uh, don't really want to throw a lot out there about this. Because I know him personally, uh, we all here in the the Baltimore area, you know, I'm sure we've had dealings with him personally. Uh, just, you know, if you did something, you know, what you did, whatever it is, just own up to it, admit it, take your punishment, and don't do it again. Um, that's all I can say. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I don't know what you've seen of this big ugly, but it's just you know, don't. I, I don't I don't really know much besides I think the first reports I I can't really say I followed up much uh, I don't for the fans listening I don't know Ellsworth but um but uh, only thing I've known is just what I read that it, you know it had something to do with some uh, pictures being sent to potentially uh, underage person like yeah. reporting for sending pictures Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast does not condone any of this yeah We're no we throwing it out there because we've talked about Ellsworth on the podcast yeah we don't um, and. 
I don't know. I don't know the situation behind it, so it's hard for me to judge what's going on here. As yeah. far as I don't know if he knew the person, he knew the person to be underage. I don't know if he was told that they were a certain age and they weren't. You know what I'm saying? I don't. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, at the end of the day, I do think that you know, like anybody else, it's the responsibility of the person to just own up to it. Say like, I did this. Either I did know this, or I didn't know this. You know what I'm saying? And do whatever. I mean, I will say that, you know, just similar to what we were talking about earlier with Enzo Amore, I think that any situation like this is probably going to mean we're not going to see James Ellsworth back in the WWE. Um, So, you know, I mean, and as far as, you know, I don't know about his indie career, but I guess we'll see where that goes. But I'll tell you, his, you know, his indie career was decent and he got a lot of extra work before he you know got into the wwe and when he got into the wwe spent 18 months there he when he was only supposed to last one night yeah so you know he got a golden ticket and you know he has family his kids uh but you know and he got a second shot to come back too so i mean a guy for for a guy who was never supposed to make it anywhere in his business and he and he also you know was running his own promotion but i gotta tell you uh those independent bookings are dropping his own promotion things are even changing there uh, so I got to just say, you know, again, own up to it, take your medicine, do what you got to do, and yeah. just move on. But Man, yeah, and let me let me just say this, you know, I not that I think that like we have like crazy amounts of celebrities listening, no. but for the few of you that are out there. <laughs> Um, you know, I will say, man, if you listen, if you're in the spotlight, you guys have got to chill and play it cool on some yeah. of the things that you're doing. I mean, I'm just thinking about the Kareem Hunt situation that yeah. I'm sure many people are aware of now with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. And, Saw that too. Right. And and it's like, you know, you are, I'm not going to say a, a target, but let me just say that if something happens, everybody's going to find out, you know what I mean? Because everybody knows who you are, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And it's going to get out there, and it's essentially going to ruin your career, you know what I mean? If you look at Kareem Hunt, he's already been released. Mm-hmm. You look at people before him, Ray Rice, never played the NFL again, you know, and now, you you know, we're talking about the James Ellsworth situation, and even on the indie scene, he's starting to lose a career that he pretty much built up. He did. From, from the ground, you know, just starting that one day in WWE, you know, it's like, I can't take anything away from the guy. It seemed like, you know, he worked hard and he now did. it's on gone because, you know, of whatever these, these crazy actions that some of these guys take, you know what I'm saying? It's like, and on the independent level, I mean, with indie crowds, it's, I'm not I'm not saying you should get away with that, but you know, you're going to be more noter and noticed. If you're on the main stage of the WWE, that means, you know, the whole world has a potential to know exactly who you are, what your face looks like, especially with his gimmick, and because this gimmick was his face yeah. um, and his name. And to know, you know, but when somebody calls you out and then calls you by your actual, you know, pretty Jimmy Dream, that was his independent stage handle. So, again, we, we're not going to go into this too much further. I'd say we all, we all, like on this podcast, knew of him, you know, some of us even, you know, worked in organizations that he worked with. But all I can say is, you know, and the big ugly just said it, man. Just own up to it. You know, take you take whatever it is, and then just try to do what's best for yourself and your family. But you realize, the more you the more you are known in this world, the more anything can come back to you. Any so, like said, for the, for the celebrities that might be listening to us, or anybody that has notoriety of any kind, just watch yourself, man. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah, man. That's all Couldn't I got. Couldn't be say. truer words. Yep. Damn it. Um. Let's um let's we'll take it down a little bit and go back up for the ending. Uh, so a couple of things, a couple of sad things. Uh, some people passing away recently. 
Uh, unfortunately, the uh, and I gotta I'm gonna get his name wrong, so I'm gonna look this up. The creator of SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, uh, his name was uh, let me see. It was a uh, Steven Hillenburg. 57 years old passed away. Um, now, granted, this, this is not. Uh, there's another bigger name that we're going to talk about in a minute, but I mean, SpongeBob SquarePants is a staple of entertainment for a long, long time, and he was 57 years old, and apparently, just like an RKO, it came out of nowhere. So yeah, man, it, it sucks. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't young, but he wasn't old where you know you'd expect someone to just pass away. Um, yeah. Who's seemingly healthy, it seems like. So um, yeah, man, just sucky situation, man. It does. You know, feel bad yeah. for his family, especially you know. I think that losing somebody at any time is is rough. But, you know, uh, I think it, it gets especially rough, you know, when people lo lose others around the holidays and stuff like that. When, yeah. you, you you know, you're, you're going to be spending and seeing your family a lot. So That's true. Yeah. So, you know, shout out to all of them. But something else that I saw as of this past Thursday, Star Wars and Indiana Jones screenwriter Gloria Katz uh, passed away at 76 years old. So, uh, granted, not a huge known name, you know, but still somebody who's that close to things that we enjoy uh, yeah. as a whole. Right. And we talk about more, those, like, more legacies that's lived on over 30 years, man. Yeah. So, yeah. And we've talked about those two uh, stories a lot on yes. our podcast. So yes. here's the one that got me, and this was in the past 24 hours. George H.W. Bush, former president of the United States, 94 years old. That is a long life um, but that one, you know, he, he was president for quite a while, you know, in, in our stage of life here. So that one's just, I mean, yes, he's up there, old, 94 years old, whatever the case may be. But, damn, that sucks. That, Pre former president of the United States. Yeah, man, that uh, that does suck. You know, uh, his wife had just died here recently, earlier this earlier year. Earlier this year, right, um, Barbara. You know, Barbara, yeah. So, um, you know, it's always like an old, you know, old tale that people say, like, you know, when elderly couples that have been together for so long like that, when one of them passes, that usually it, it doesn't take long before the other one. Just nothing left to yeah, live exactly. for, in their opinion. E exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of crazy how that works. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's crazy, so... So yeah, it's shout out to all them, here, yeah. uh, you know, families and friends, and yeah. you know, but uh, celebrate the lives as well, because uh, you know, especially George H. W. Bush, I, I thought he was a great president. There was a, you know, as far as controversy goes with with the presidential, you know, there was a lot less controversy going on with him around, and uh, there was a lot more good stuff. You know, not like Donald J. Trump or you know even Barack Obama. George H. W. Bush was a was a good man. I uh, I mean I I I wasn't really alive for his. I mean, I think I was. I yeah, was alive. Were, I was a baby. You so were younger. I, I, yeah, I do not. I do not uh, know anything about my past president. Yeah, so <laughs> I grew up in more of the Clinton, Bush, Junior. Bush Junior, right? Era. So yeah, yeah. So I tell you, uh, a little sad. But then we'll, we'll we'll bring it out here. I mean, there's a lot of fun things happening, you know, in this area, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, with uh, their new and improved quarterback for the past couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've been doing well. Uh, so, you know, Joe Flacco is actually practicing this week. So, hopefully, we will listen, get Jeff. Listen. Hopefully, we get Lamar Jackson in playing most of this game because we have a shot at the playoffs now. Yeah. We have a shot at the wild cards. So. Listen, they're going to keep Lamar Jackson in the game unless they lose. Joe listen, Joe Flacco's healthy. Don't let – I'm like – I'm not letting I the media I think he was healthy last me. week. He was yeah, standing on the sideline. Yeah, he's healthy. Listen, they're playing – they're running up this injury game because they don't want to – they don't want to cause any controversy around a team being like, oh, we removed Flacco and we're starting Lamar. <laughs> so, they're playing off of this injury. It's like perfect timing because they, they were losing. So, it's like, all right, we could put Lamar in. Lamar's won two in a row. So, if, if we go to this next game 
and we lose, I guarantee you Joe Flacco, Flacco will be in the next starting. game. If they win again, they're going to keep saying Flacco's just not ready. <laughs> and then eventually, it's, listen, if they decide to go with Lamar, I think that this next game is going to really be the testament because at this point, people are going to know, like, all right, I'm pretty sure he's healthy. So if, if they go with Lamar again this game and they win, then I think they're going to just have to make a formal announcement that they're just going to be going with him for the season because and I think Je- uh, John Harbaugh kind of alluded to it because he was like it's a matter of circumstance you know with the team and guys and essentially what he was saying in a bunch of wordiness was <laughs> we're winning right now with Lamar and the guys seem to be going you know working well together and yeah. we don't want to disrupt that by throwing Flacco back into it so you know I feel you no that's okay I'm just I'm sorry and the Dallas Cowboys beat the Saints I'm sorry they did that's my team Uh, you know the Dallas Cowboys and the Saints were 10-1 but on Thursday Night Football that was some good stuff they dropped the 10-2 baby they did that Dallas defense they did and I tell you the uh, Dallas that's a a tight race too you know them and the Redskins and all that so uh, what do do you uh, I know you're a Redskins fan too I'm not a Redskins fan. I'm straight Dallas. You went to the Redskins game. I did go to the Redskins game. Uh, yeah, a good friend of mine. They had, were not playing Dallas tickets. that day. No, they were playing the Colts. I a know. Good, a good friend of mine had gotten tickets just to go. All right, so and, I'm, I apologize. Yeah. You're not yeah, a Redskins no, fan. I just, I just went because it was like, hey, I can go to a football game. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I do not like the Redskins. Fair I'm, enough. Yeah, Dallas fan all the way. And we're number one in the NFCs right now. Yeah, so. there ain't nothing wrong with that. They're yeah. so... Fantastic to that. Washington Capitals are in second place, fighting for first place. They're Can I just great. ask you something about wrestling real quick? Yeah, but this is the dirty ugly yeah, d- All right, and I know we got to wrap it up here because we went long, but it's because, you know, we know this is the end of the year. and so This but, is our wrap-up show yeah, in 2018. Exactly. So, uh, Lars Sullivan, what do you think about this guy? He's going to be successful or he's going to be a... a a flop. You know, they're building them up, and uh, I think they can use some big guys. Vince loves his big guys on the main roster. I think he was doing okay, but kind of dragging water in NXT. Yeah. Uh, depending on what they have for him up top, uh, they got to put, again, with the right people, with the right storyline, I think he has potential to do great. Um, let's just see how that happens. I don't know. They're, they're trying to bring him up now, so what? where are they going to put him? What storyline? What show? Do we even know? Because they've been playing packages on both shows. No, we don't know. So, I, I, he's got potential. He's got a lot of charisma. He's very good in the ring. He's very safe. He's a big guy that's safe. Um, so, I, I think as we'll long see. as, again, they don't give him a microphone, don't let him tell his whole life story on the microphone. Not that he can't do it. He shouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, so, I, I think it's going to be uh, interesting. I think they'll bring him up probably shortly after TLC. Um, so, I, I'm liking, I like Lars Sullivan a lot. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Washington Capitals, second place. You know, they got a new manager after winning the Stanley Cup you know, last year. They're doing all right. Uh, Baltimore Orioles now new have a, have a new general manager. Um, so we'll see what happens with them next year. Uh, there was something really cool on SmackDown, and we'll, we'll get to the uh, quick preview for TLC in a minute. But uh, <coughs> Jeff Hardy, they had like a 20-year celebration for Jeff Hardy on SmackDown Live. Yeah. Uh, Michael Cole introduced him. They had the pictures in the ring. They had the entire roster out on what it seemed like out on the stage. And Jeff Hardy alluded to later on said, this is no retirement speech. I just don't know where we're going to go from here. Um, so people thought it was a retirement speech at first, the way they were building up and building up. So then Samoa Joe comes out. And he gets on the microphone and he starts uh, talking about Jeff Hardy's alcoholism. Yeah. Taking it real. Yeah. Um, so this is something new for Joe. Uh, I'm not, sorry, not new for Joe. New for Jeff at this point in time. Joe has attacked people's families. Yeah. Uh, and now he's attacking people's crutches, like yeah. alcoholism. Well, actually, no, it's not new. CM Punk attacked Jeff Hardy for substance abuse, too. Remember back when he was like the straight edge society punk? Oh. And, 
He kind of yes. went after Jeff for his like real life struggle with his demons and stuff. It was yeah. I, I think just nowadays with this more politically correct that we've seen again, they're yeah. starting to deal yeah. back into the attitude. Yeah. Where I'm yeah. saying new for this time and place. Absolutely, yeah. Because I'm like, wow, they're really like pushing the envelope on some of this stuff. Yeah. So I like it. I and I know Jeff's comfortable with it because you know obviously he wouldn't be working the program if he's not. Right. Jeff Hardy and Samoa Joe. I think it's great. Uh, I think that has some potential. So them towing the line and getting back to some realism and reality imitates art, I think that's good for them. They need that. Absolutely. Um, So real quick, uh, TLC, what's coming up? We're going to talk about uh, just a quick preview here, and that is going to be uh, the Tables, Ladders, and Chairs pay-per-view on Sunday, December 16th, live streaming on the WWE Network. Um, there's going to be the mixed match challenge final, and that had that card has changed a lot since people injuries going out, things like that. So we have no idea what that's going to be. But watch mixed match challenge uh, live streaming on your Facebook. Seth Rollins defending the Intercontinental Championship against Dean Ambrose. Right now, this is not a tables, ladders, or chairs match. This is just a one on one. So this is going to be the first match in a series of matches, I think, for them. That's going to be a really good match. Braun Strowman, again, we is supposed to face Baron Corbin, and if and it's supposed to be a tab- tables, ladders, and chairs match. If Braun wins, he gets Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble for the Universal Championship. If Baron Corbin wins, he becomes the full-time general manager of Monday Night Raw. But Braun Strowman is out right now, so who knows what's going to happen there. Here we go. Ronda Rousey defending the Raw Women's Championship against Nia Jax. Uh, Nia Jax has a lot of heat right now, but Ronda Rousey is kind of not is she supposed to be the biggest face in the company but she's not there's a well i will say right i will say that next night when she came out after survivor series she did get a lot of cheers so she i think did. that i think that it might have just been that particular Situation. arena cuz remember they in la and yes. on survivor series so right. I, I think that la just might have been giving her you know a little bit of the okie doke but i think that overall okey-doke. yeah i think that overall uh she still is 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 pretty good on a babyface level. I don't think she's gotten to that Reigns level yet. No, no, not yeah. so much. I just think L.A. was trying to be like little smart fans, kind of like Philly and you know. I feel you. Yeah, New York. I don't know where. I'm not sure where TLC is supposed to take place, but I know in this instance, Ronda is going to be the face, and Nia is going to be straight heel, uh, without a doubt. And I think it's going to work out because everybody is so angry with Nia yeah. already, so it's going to work because they're going to want to see Ronda. Beat her ass. Give her the business, right? <laughs> and like maybe really send a punch around, you know, cross her face. So there you go. Yeah. Um, also, uh, AJ Styles is challenging uh, in his rematch for the WWE Championship against Daniel Bryan. Again, this is not supposed to be a tables, ladders, and chairs match, but this is the first uh, match after AJ Styles has lost the championship. Got potential. See what happens. Could be good. Um, but here's a tables, ladders, and chairs match. The first ever women's tables, ladders, and chairs match. It's Becky Lynch defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair and Asuka. Um, I like this a lot. First of all, tables, ladders, and chairs. There's three of them, so they can sort of pace out the workload. Uh, And it's for the SmackDown Live Women's Championship, which is the biggest uh, championship going right now, in my opinion. So uh, it's got your girl Asuka in it back on the main stage, too. Yeah. So I think with the demand of people wanting to see Asuka versus Ronda Rousey, which uh, did not happen at Survivor Series, uh, but at least putting Asuka back into the limelight. I'm liking this. I do like it. I'm glad to see Asuka back in the limelight. You know I'm a big fan. Um, I mean, I don't really have much hope for like where it's going to go, but <laughs> but I, I like that she's back out there. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. 
We'll see. And we will talk about TLC uh, on our next podcast, which more than likely we will be in the beginning of 2019. So Big Ugly, as we wrap up 2018, as we wrap up this show number 58, uh, let's tell them what they can expect, the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast listeners, at the beginning of next year. So um, we talked about this a little bit offline, and this is the plan. Uh, our first show of 2019, we're going to talk about uh, you know quick results for TLC, of course. Uh, hopefully we have CM Funk on talking about either the preview or the review of New Japan Pro Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom 13, I think it is, because um, uh, CM Funk is all over that. Hopefully we have Jam and Jason here keeping 205 alive as well. But we're going to have a specialty show. Like we just had our referee specialty show, which was great, by the way. Great reviews, a lot of great show, a lot yes. of great listens. Um, we're going to have a show called Rages in Cages. Um, now, this is not brand specific. Uh, however, what we're going to be doing is talking about the steel cage match, the history of the steel cage match. What variations of steel cages are there? Hell in a Cell, War Games, uh, the cage, uh, the triple cage of doom, you know, the Tower of Terror, whatever you want to call it. Um, the mesh cage as opposed to the big blue metal cage. But we're going to have some cage match aficionados uh, with us, either live on the show, uh, interviewed before the show, or calling into the show at that same time. Yep. Some people that we are very familiar with, actually, uh, that have been dealing with cage matches over the past couple of years, such as our friend Brian S. Gamble, otherwise known as the Deacon. Deacon Storm. The Storm Man. Uh, so we're going to have an NC-17 or R rating on that show, probably. <laughs> Um, so, of course, uh, Storm is invited, and of course, Tiberius, the one and only TJ Sykes, who uh, super kicked me, and I super kicked him right back. <laughs> uh, so, we're cool now. Uh, so, you know, uh, TJ, Tiberius, uh, you know, he's going to be invited, of course, and that was from one last dance a couple years back in the steel cage that I got to referee, um, which was a great, great experience. How about the following year? There was a retirement match uh, at Rage in the Cage, and I got to be the ring announcer for this one. Um, Wes Mercer, the legendary super cruiserweight, the only four-time cruiserweight champion in EWA history. Uh, he took on the one and only, uh, the baddest man in Maryland, uh, Apollo Crews. And he's been on our podcast a lot of times. And Apollo yes. Crews won that match and retired Wes Mercer. So those two were invited. And then this year coming up at uh, Rage in the Cage in 2019... The EWA heavyweight champion, the weight of the world, Corey Bush, who's, born, who's been on our podcast before. Hopefully he will have some insight on this one. Uh, taking on our, our good friend who was there for our 50th live feed and uh, who we've been following, the heart and soul of EWA Pro Wrestling, Jesse O. Ryan. <laughs> and uh, they are, uh, he is challenging Corey Bush for the EWA heavyweight championship at the main event of Rage in the Cage. 2019 January. So all of those guys are invited. Uh, anybody who has any insights on steel cage matches, who has ever been in a cage match, uh, referee to cage match, ring announce a cage match, anybody around in and around this independent scene, you know, come out, you know, come out to us, hook us up. Yeah, we'll, we'll get you on the, uh, on the podcast. We'll get you calling in. We'll get you on the live feed. And I know we've talked about this before. We did it for our 50th show. So Maybe we'll have to look into doing Facebook Live for this 59th show. 59th, yeah. But it is the 2019 kickoff, so we're going to talk about that online. Either way, you'll, you know you'll be able to find it on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and MySpace. <laughs> um, I'm still going to keep throwing that out there. 
But uh, how do you feel about this uh, plan man, for 2019? Man, I am excited, man. Cage, I think cage matches is probably one of everybody's favorite matches. You know, I got SmackDown rolling in the background. And, you know, they just showed a bunch of clips of Jeff Hardy on top of cages, mm-hmm. you know, jumping off. And it's like, you know, who hasn't loved cage match high spots and, you know, people going over the cage and people touching down at the same time. And right. cage, people going through the cage, <laughs> you know. So everybody loves a good a good cage match, and so I'm excited to talk with some of the guys that have experienced cage matches firsthand, and you know what goes into prepping for that and mm-hmm. everything um, that you know has gotten us to love this particular kind of match. Good, very good. I couldn't have said it better myself, and I, I've loved cage matches over the years too. And I'm excited to uh, talk to these guys, and also to uh, talk to each other, and then CM Funk and, and Jamie Jason and anybody else. Uh, who wants to talk about you know history of the cage matches and how they've evolved and you know lot, there's been blood a lot of bloody cage yeah. matches we don't see that a lot anymore yeah. but a lot of bloody cage matches and then the one that we just talked about earlier in this podcast uh, Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar which was inside of a cage um, one of the greatest matches for those two ever uh, and one of the greatest matches uh, of all time so I'm excited I know you're excited we're excited. And uh, I think it's time for everybody to, I hope they've enjoyed their holiday so far with Thanksgiving. Uh, Hopefully you enjoy all of your holiday season. Yeah, more holiday season to come. Right. Politically correct or not, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever you want to talk about. Happy holidays. Um, You know, enjoy the family, the friends, and and enjoy all of the archived episodes because everybody's going to be traveling back and forth. Yes, exactly. So you can listen to us. Uh, all of the archived episodes, we have so many guests, so many conversations, so many tangents, so many interviews. All on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. And? MySpace. <laughs> I really wasn't going to say you it. You weren't going to say it, but I got to throw them out. But uh, I also just remember, guys, as you're listening uh, um, and watching wrestling, you know, think about it. We want you guys to reach out to us on Facebook. Tell us what you want us to talk about in the new year coming up from what you see on TLC or uh, just anything that you've seen on wrestling you want to talk about on that first podcast or second podcast that we do in January. Uh, just from the Big Ugly, I just want to wish everybody happy holidays and uh, hope you have a great, happy new year. Wow, that's, we'll see you in 2019. We will. And that's from uh, Big Ugly. And this is from Dirty Mike. Same thing. Reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Uh, DirtyUglyWrestling at gmail.com And again, keep looking out Because we're going to be expanding, man We're going to be expanding We're going to get some more followers We're going to get some more advertising We're going to get some more merchandise Uh, We're going to So share, share, share Share these podcasts Please Share, tag everybody in, in the posts, in the comments uh, every all of your friends, family, you know, whether they like wrestling, whether they don't, whether they like two, you know, two, three, four people bullshitting about whatever we can, we just love it, man, and that's why we're still here and we're we're excited. So yes, and for me as well, from Dirty Mike, uh, Mikey D, Vanilla Mike, whatever you want to call me, <laughs> you go by Vanilla Mike. See, and I thought you knew about this before. That's that's my <laughs> that's my karaoke handle, yeah. man. Uh, that's my karaoke performer handle is Vanilla Mike, and then my karaoke DJ handle and Jam and Jason knows this very well uh, is Maniac Mike. So uh, whoever it is is me. Yeah, I'm Mike. <laughs> uh, but we are the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast, and I wish you a very safe and happy holiday season and a very safe and healthy healthy New Year. And we will be back to you in the early part of 2019. Rages in cages. And I can't wait and dirty ugly. We we were gonna end this the way we end everything else. So we're just gonna say it. Thank you so much. We'll see you again. Three. 2019. Yeah, in 2019. Three, two, 
One. Deuces. Deuces. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs>